0: Wrestling Spotlights Northwest Weekender Special on the com. I'm Benham. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And today, as the headline says, we'll be talking the Northwest Weekender from last weekend with Tetsujin Shoot Style at Hangar 34 in Liverpool, the PCW Road to Glory uh, tournament or tournaments uh, evoke in Preston, and also Progress's Chapter 63 at the Manchester Ritz. It was a, a busy weekend of wrestling and, and what a weekend, guys. We had a, a few beers. You saw the well-famous crazy house in liverpool we ate some <laughs> terrible foods me and you jp we even got a butty in jamie Carragher's favorite spot over the road from me <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it wasn't a good weekend for the old diet but it was a good weekend of wrestling
1: yeah it was a great weekend of wrestling I'm, i think i've just about recovered from it now to be honest so uh yeah it
2: was a weekend of wrestling but also a good social as well <laughs> Oh, it was absolutely belting um yeah the northwest that's where it's at i mean <laughs> stop with these uh soft southern shows and just head up there every time yeah i, I turned down gonna Red pro and
0: pompey
1: yesterday because i just knew it wouldn't compare to gonna to pcw to be honest with you
0: the worst bit is there's a bit of truth in that, not a lot of truth but a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> we did have a good time um well, I, I don't know if, uh, what your favorite part of preston was joe Byrne was the awful noodles that we had i got a nice uh oh, hey, of ting with that so that that was all right
1: so shit uh, stodgy disgusting felt vile afterwards but we did have the benefit of the Stanley Arms that evening which is possibly my favourite pub in the UK now
0: <laughs>
2: yeah absolutely the, the Stanley the Stanley Arms for many reasons the PCW
0: pub yes
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait wait where indiscriminately. Someone will just be dragged out. <laughs> just half after a couple of hours, every couple of hours, someone's just being dragged
0: out, I and mean, you're like, right, wrestling fans included. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah. That's a proper Sorry. pub, isn't it? Yeah, when uh, when it's a, it was a weird mix, wasn't it? This the Stanley Arms. It's kind of where PCW hold their after parties, so we went down there. But it's also still just an old Northern Soul pub, so you've got this mix of just regulars, kind of questioning why. Moose is sat in the corner and all these wrestler types are there. (laughs) We had a couple of people come up to us and say, you're a bit young to be in here, aren't you? Uh, A couple of people, once we told them why we were there, started chatting to us about Big Daddy and Kendo Nagasaki. It was a proper old Northern pub, wasn't
1: it? It was great. A couple of old people as well started talking about how much they love Donald Trump and (laughs) how we we just need to be out now and all the rest of it. And it was was, was good. I had a a fun
0: old time there. So, yeah, it's been a busy... uh, Busy weekend and it's been a long week as well. I've been back in work, it's been hard getting back to the grind and uh, getting the the song that may have uh, opened this podcast out of my head, which we'll get to later when we get to talking about uh, PCW. But at uh, first, the the big uh, the first big show of the weekend was Tattoo Shoot Style returning after a two year break at Hangar Thirty Four in in Liverpool's very uh, hipster district. Uh, I tried to give you guys a bit of a tour of Liverpool, but you kind of saw the the weird waterfront area where it's all warehouses that somebody seems to t- decide is a, a good idea to turn into a, a a brewery or a bar or in this case this hangar 34 it was a kind of a warehouse that they've turned into a venue it had a, a bit of a leaky roof but it, it made for quite a good venue to watch wrestling in didn't it
2: i think it's an absolutely cracking venue um I'd i'd be interested to see if there's um a lot more places that decide to run it as a venue, because it seems to have—I mean, what does it hold? At least sort of about two hundred or so. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, there was room for a, for a screen upstairs. They're able to sell some merch, apart from the leaky roof, which is bloody terrible, okay. and toilets that need to be updated. I'll say that much. Um, apart from that, as a as a venue, it was it was really good to go to. I mean, I just think there are some issues i mean the show itself was really good fun but i still think there are some issues regarding um what they could have done with the big screen mm. to perhaps some i have some of the matches up on there as well
0: yeah, sightlines were difficult. I mean, for anyone listening who doesn't know what Tetsujin is, it's kind of Pancrase, UWFI style. Uh, it was an eight-man uh, one-night uh, tournament where winners by knockout or submission, and it's done in a very, very realist- realistic map-based style, um, as you've just said there, JP. And it can be hard, can't it? In a, in a standing-only venue to get a good sight line, there was a point where uh, JP and Yujo were standing watching the show behind G-Man as he was uh, editing for the, I'm guessing, upcoming oh, yeah, VOD yeah, yeah. release. Yeah. That was probably the best seat in the house wasn't it
1: oh yeah. getting the multi-view was quite cool actually and <laughs> getting to see all the different angles that you could watch it from live i sort of started doing a bit of improv comedy comedy improv commentary while i was watching it as well it's sort of quite tempting seeing from the multi-view but yeah that was probably the best view i had all even to be honest what i took from the evening was um i like the style but at the same time because of the poor sight lines i ended up just embracing it as an evening Evening, and I don't think I've ever watched so little of a show when I've been at a show, and it just became it just became kind of a bit of a social, bit of a meet up with some wrestling going on in the background mm. that I'd kind of tune into every now and then, mm. which sounds really bad, but it was actually quite a cool experience. I still had a really good time at the show, so. Yeah, cool venue as well. Um, the toilets, I do agree with you on. I'm sure an esteemed British promoter um, would agree with you on that as well, Benno. I know you uh, smelt the brunt of his uh, <laughs> rap of the toilets, <laughs> but little le- less said about that, the better. Um, I don't know if I'd go back to Tetsujin. You know? That's one thing I'd need some convincing over. I think the venue would have to have a little bit more of a better setup for me to commit mm. to going back, or it would have to be part of a big weekend again for me to go back to it.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I was at the, the fair show, and the first time round. this was two years ago, there was only about 50-odd people there. This was more a crowd of about 150 of, or so. I think it tells you the difference in British wrestling, doesn't it, since that time? Um, but I did wonder if people, the extra people that were there in the building as well, kind of, knew what they, they were in for. Um, there was a lot, of, I, mean, I would say... As they put the lineup together, I thought the names for this tournament, there was a lot of cool indie guys. Um, There was supposed to be a women's match as well, but I just felt like the lineup missed a bit of a a Jack Gallagher type like we had in the first tournament where he came out in a gi and he kind of grounded the entire tournament and set the tone for what it was going to be. And I I can't help but think, JP, that maybe this, this tournament missed somebody like that. Maybe even a. I mean, Matt Riddle ended up in the country the next day for PCW. Um, yep. I would have maybe expected him to be here. I mean, what did you make of it as as a concept in general? What were you expecting going in with the, those names in mind?
2: Well, I can remember speaking to you about what that first show was like. So coming into the second one, I was thinking, okay, are they going to be wearing sort of non-wrestling gear? Is it going to be something that's going to be sort of taken well away from, from what we'd be used to? Because I think the only match, and I think, Joe, you saw it, was the Damon Moser Chris Ridgway qualifier. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they sort of were wearing slightly.
2: Well, Ridgway wasn't. Moser was wearing slightly different gear. In okay, that match as well, yeah. And and but it it wasn't, and and that's fine actually. I mean, so as a style and as a concept, I think it can. I think it can go places, just to something different. But it would be the kind of event you could only really run once every few months. I mean, of the matches, the, the one that really stood out was David Starr Zack Saber Junior. Um, that wasn't a tournament match. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a tournament match, and I think if you'd had Riddle in there, the only issue would have been you would have had to have had him win it because it would have had a real credibility issue there. But whether or not you would have had been able to have him in a in an exhibition match as well would have been perfect, since he was around the area the whole weekend. I wonder whether long term
1: they embrace it in the same way that I, uh, sorry, um, WXW do with the Ambition Tournament, which mm. is part of 16 carat weekend. Maybe Progress use it as part of Super Strong Style mm. weekend. Yeah. Or um, if there's another big weekend at any point, maybe the DTTI, you could have two shows in a day as well, potentially, if you can find a good venue for it. Um, so I wonder if it's something that should become part of a, a package. Um, rather than something that runs, say,
2: uh, three or four shows a year alongside sort of the Victoria Show. I mean, it'd be a relatively quick turnaround. Yeah, you could probably do that.
1: I, could, I suppose it depends on the time they start the progress show as well, as doesn't it? And
2: or whether you do it the night before.
1: Yeah, pretend. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that it gives you something to do the night before if you're in mm. town for the weekend. If you're travelling up, so I wonder whether a bit of pre-planning next time um running it like i say in conjunction with something would actually benefit them and get the attendance up a little bit like i said for myself i'd go back if it was part of a weekend and obviously we we did tetsujin pcw in progress i didn't see that many people from tetsujin at pcw the next day so i'm not sure how many people had the same idea we did uh but like i say if you've got like a big big weekend i think it fits in perfectly Mm,
0: definitely yeah i think uh, just to go back to what you said at the the start uh, JP, I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. and David Starr, the, the super fight that they had here was, for me, probably the best example of the style. It was a very strike-heavy yes. kind of hard man match, wasn't it? And there was lots of stand-up in it, and I think that's probably why it it resonated with me, going to, to what you said before as well, Joe, that it was hard to, sight lines weren't great, and it was hard to kind of invest in some of the, well, a lot of the, the grappling that was going on, so I kind of felt like that match with its hard hitting and its nutty lariats from uh, David Starr was kind of the, the highlight of the evening, and it was probably a, a style thing. Um,
2: no, I was just going to say that with, the, um, with that style, I mean, if you're thinking of it as a kind of, let's say, a pro-wrestling worked version of mma to a degree where we've got kind of almost wrestling and striking i think some of those earlier matches because they were primarily wrestling based it was very difficult to see you could see there were some very good transitions going on and some and some nice submission moves from from people who weren't necessarily expecting but at the same time you know if you would had it on the, one of the big screens at the back sorry to harp on about that um then at least with the strike uh sorry with the David Starr, Zach match, you had that striking, you had that stand up that meant obviously then we could get invested in that, and we could see that a lot better and it and it was the match of the night. I did like some of the variety as well. Like I mm. liked how they
1: threw that match out there. I think that was the longest match, wasn't it, as well? It was, and it felt like a special, like quite a special match. But then, say, the Travis Banks-Chris Brooks match went yeah. a minute, or, or around a minute, for example. Yeah. So that came as a nice shock as well. That kind of made you take the style a bit more seriously and some getting out of nowhere and all the rest of it. Um, the final, the, what was it, Ridgeway brooks as well, is that yep. two finals Chris Brooks
0: has lost now? yeah.
1: So he's lost two sets of seems times, is that right? Telling the original shooter, of... Chris.
0: Brooks. Yeah, he seems to be telling some kind of story there. I mean, you touched on the Brooks Branks match there. He kind of won with a his weird ankle lock thing, and they were trying to present Brooks as this shooter, as he did in the first tournament, where he crashed out to Jack Gallagher in the final. But he's the one wrestler who kind of just yeah. When I said at the start that it was a lot of cool indie talent in this tournament, um, it was cool to see people like Craig Collins and the like uh, get a bit of shine yeah. here. But yeah, Chris Brooks was a uh, probably the best example of someone who just. To me, he doesn't quite fit the style, and it was interesting that they went a, a second time with uh, putting him in the final again. I thought he was, once he got there, I thought he was nailed on to win, but yeah, they went with uh, Ridgway instead. I don't know what, what you two made of that.
2: I think Ridgway does suit that style if you're going to have it as a, obviously, I, I don't think we're going to be waiting another two years till we see another Tetsujin show. Mm-hmm. So if you have Ridgway in, let's say you do it within six months, he's the kind of good guy to have as almost like your headliner within that within that style and i think he'd work really well for it um so i was kind of expecting it to go for for ridgeway i was surprised by brooks getting to the final um and yeah yeah i think ridgeway so we're going to be
1: seeing a lot more of isn't he in the next yeah few months his profile seems to be on the rise so i think sort of getting him underway here giving him that kind of uh shooter credibility as well it's gonna do him a few favors it fits with what he's trying to go for you know he he reminds you in many ways of davy richards but some of the shoot stuff that he tries to do comes across to me as a lot more fluid within a wrestling style than what davy richards shoot stuff ever mm. did. Pers- uh, that's from my personal
0: no, perspective. I think that's fair, I mean do you think he's the type of, if you were to bring this back, say it was a regular promotion is, is Ridgeway someone you build around or, I mean one match that was on the card Omari and uh, Travis Banks had a match that I heard a lot of people critical of and I saw line as well, it was very much a, a high spot, I saw someone describe it as a PWG style match, I maybe wouldn't go that far but <coughs> Travis Banks was criticised a little bit for coming off the second rope with his slice of heaven move um, although i did laugh on i saw him i think it was on the love the graps facebook group he came back and posted the gif of a, a ufc fight where someone had done quite similar uh, to point out that it is possible Anthony Pettis. yeah that's here. right yeah, yeah. um <laughs> would you rather see i mean that match probably got one of the best responses of the night so while i could understand being people being critical of it it got the crowd into it so would you rather see it more in that vein or Is the I mean, how would you build it going forward? Well, wrestling
1: styles always grow as well, and this is a style. And I know they maybe you could argue they want to get the style over more. But you said you went to that last show two and a bit years ago. It wasn't that great, and I've heard that from other people as well. Didn't enjoy the style too much. So I understand that they're trying to add something to that style. Maybe make the style that little bit more of a hybrid between wrestling and shoot style. So I understand them throwing those little bits in there. I didn't really think about that at the time. It wasn't until the next day I sort of thought, ah, oh, okay, that's interesting. He did throw that, um, it's the, what, what's, what's the kick called? I can't remember what it's called. Flight like out. the buzzsaw kick or whatever yep. it's called in there. Um, but at the same time, I suppose maybe that was me thinking about it from a purely wrestling pers- perspective rather than thinking about it from a shoot perspective. Um, I've got no problem with that, like I said. I like a card to have variety. I don't like everything to be the same as well, and I thought that it broke the card up nicely as well so at, a, at a point when it needed that little bit of something else. So I, I personally never have a problem with it.
0: Yeah, I think it's horses for courses, really, I think. Back then, it was the first test. I say back then, it was it was only two years <laughs> ago. But back in the dark days of Brit Res, before we got this boom, um, it, maybe it was a bit more like you touched on there, Joe, pure to the the concept. Whereas now, British wrestling being a bit bigger, um, you've got to appeal to you know to who's out there, and they obviously want to sell more tickets. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's probably the way to go going forward and yeah i wouldn't also though yeah chris ridgeway is probably a good person to base it around because he's someone that people seem to be buying this year and people seem to to really be uh, getting behind and uh, he was quite over on the night as well i thought the crowd was quite quiet in the main event but they were quiet throughout the night there's almost a, a strange atmosphere at these shows isn't there it's like a, a respect or a, everyone's taking it very very seriously now, there aren't as many comedy chants that you're hearing in the uh, in the stands
2: Thank God. (laughs) I was thinking about that. It was it because of the style. It could only um, it could it couldn't just suit chance. Chance wouldn't have worked with it because there weren't extended sequences that could kind and then and then a long break or say a long break or a break of about ten seconds where the crowd would then sort of fill that vacuum up with noise. Um, So it wouldn't have suited that Um, with and I think the crowds on the whole. I think they enjoyed it. I mean, even though, like you say, they were a bit quiet and some of the stuff, it wasn't like... It did feel like it went down to that kind of quietly engrossed as much as anything. Or A lot of people were really invested in giving it a go.
0: Mm. That's it, yeah. And I think it did get, like I say, although the i don't know i thought the crowd reaction was a little bit mixed in the main events you did kind of get in the closing mm-hmm. moments people coming up to the apron and banging on the apron in that W X W style uh which worked for me in, in getting Ridgeway over as uh is the big uh the big winner uh, at the end of the day so i do feel like we, we got our money's worth as far as the show goes oh yeah uh, um, I, would, I would like it's like joe was saying it, it it's just something different um it's definitely worthwhile and I wasn't hugely into the concept two years ago, but I still came back because, again, it oh. was something different, and it wasn't just the uh, the bar staff wandering around selling Jaeger bombs, curiously. Uh, got there, <laughs> come that was a strange one, wasn't it? I don't think they quite realised, the audience that were in there. I'm not sure what they were expecting. I didn't see many wrestling fans grabbing those Jaeger bombs.
1: Oh, I got asked with Jager bombs time and time again during the night, to be honest with you, uh, and... Uh... Kept coming back, kept coming back for the night, but nah, me and bombs don't get on, so it wasn't that much. Was
0: just look the type. It's like our, our mate Andrew Ogden, who we, we went out into Liverpool afterwards and went to that famed crazy house. He was saying he got offered drugs about three or four different times. Starting to take her a little bit personally, uh, but that's just uh, Liverpool city centre for you. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts on the show? I, I would like to say that um, that pro- wrestling promoter that you mentioned earlier, Joe, uh, apparently got harassed outside the venue. It wasn't us for the several people who asked me if it was us it wasn't um <laughs> that's one other memory from the night but yeah anything else from you guys
1: um solid show overall i just re- I had a really good time but i didn't have a really good i didn't have a really good time because of the show i had a really good time because of the atmosphere and yeah, yeah the the camaraderie let's say
0: <laughs> indeed so yeah we headed from there out into liverpool city center we had some one pound bottles of beer in the crazy house that should be illegal uh, <laughs> we all suffered for it as the uh, the next morning hung over we traveled to preston it's is a city um it's not a town i'm not sure if one street of stuff counts as a city but there we go uh we made our trip down to town to preston to get to see pcw a promotion that i haven't seen in in a couple well, i haven't seen much of live the last couple of years uh it used to be a, a common thing we had to preston to go to see pcw shows when they were the the big indie uh in england or at least it seemed that way up here in the northwest uh, what did you both make of of, of preston uh, on first impression and as a as a city altogether oh i loved it personally uh
1: not n- not not saying i want to move to Preston anytime soon <laughs> But I got a real sense of community while I was there, let's just say. And uh, the Stanley Arms was the hub of that community, as was the Evoke nightclub. And I thought it was great, uh, personally. Um, The travel lodge we stayed in was a travel lodge, (laughs) as it always is. But, you know, Weatherspoons with a dance floor. I've never come across a Weatherspoons of a dance floor in my life. That Weatherspoons was the craziest Weatherspoons I've ever been to, <laughs> for one.
0: It was like um, everybody on a Friday night was just head, or a Saturday yeah. night, that's where everyone, oh, yeah. everyone goes, we all meet up at the big Weatherspoons, and yeah, it's, uh, it was funny, wasn't it? It was like travelling back in time, uh, I don't know if it's just me being used to living in Liverpool, but being knocked back from trying to get into bars for not wearing shoes is uh, like travelling back in time.
1: Yeah. Ten, 10 years, I reckon, That's that last happened to me.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I was giving up. I was angry about that stuff around 96. So, <laughs> like, I, the idea of it being asked today is, like, what? But, uh, you know, it was worth it because those places wouldn't have had a patch on the Stanley Arms, which I think is just a place that everyone should visit when yeah. they go to Preston. As a, as a place when you first arrive, you're a bit like, oh, um, but. I have to say, there was something possibly about the moment we went. It got into the Evoque nightclub, mm. and everything just kind of lifted. Yeah, from that point onwards, um, just a really interesting venue. That's yeah. kind of really it's labyrinthine, really, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it reminded me uh, walking into the venue of, oh, and walking to the toilet as well. God, that was a that was a jaunt. <laughs> Toilets coming up a lot in this one, <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever seen Irreversible the. Um, yeah. French film with uh, by Gaspar Noé oh. uh, it reminded me of walking into the nightclub The Rectum in Irreversible <laughs> when Vincent Cassell is just like seeing lots of S&M sort of taking place in a gay night in a gay sex club basically You're really painting a picture in Preston Oh yeah, but the the decor—walking through these like
2: dark corridors or these narrow little corners with sheets up where yeah. there's wrestlers doing like planning their matches on the other side. Yeah, seeing Shah
1: Samuel's belly through the little sheet. it was just weird, but great at the same time. It's like Shah Samuel's
0: the star of Irreversible 2, all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird, isn't it? It's like I've always thought that because the basically because it's a club, they don't really have any changing rooms, so they are just carrying off one section of the club and make that the changing rooms and every time i go you walk past it you can just hear american accents planning out matches it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a surreal scene and i would say you both saw it on a good day uh, it was like the glory days of 2011 that that thing was was packed and it's been a long time since i've seen the venue packed um i mean, i went to a show with x pack on last year it was the tribute to the troops weekend and it, there was a couple hundred of us in there uh, whereas here it felt more along Six hundred, so I would probably say. Yeah, um, and it felt yeah, it felt like the PCW of the glory days when they were bringing over all those big names, you know, like Chris Masters and a new hard nation. Who we'll get into in a minute. Um, I thought the other thing I'd say is this show was the streamed on Powerbomb, um, mm. Free Sport, the whole Free Sports debacle. PCW was supposed to be uh, the company that were going on Free Sports. Uh, I would probably say just. From how great the venue looks, the fact that it was packed out, the fact that it was, it was a stacked two days, uh, sorry, two shows of, of variety on the day. I would have thought, you know, with a lively crowd, this would come off so much better than that five star product if it was on TV, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, three sports have shot themselves in the foot with that one. This venue looked like it would have looked, it would have been, looked great on TV, and the actual standard wrestling in that intricate venue, and the fans, how close they were to the ring, and all the rest of it, and how loud they were. Would have come
2: off great, and you've got Greg Lambert commentating on it anyway. So it would have been easy for the <laughs> hardcore free sports viewer yeah. to not feel too disorientated if you put on PCW. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, in in all seriousness, I mean, it had it, it with that type of venue, and it's particularly the ceiling and the lighting from that came across really well.
0: And you could hear him the, uh, the commentary right across the room, couldn't you? That's another a benefit of PCW. Yeah, we were so- yeah good. Yeah, we could. It was where we were stood. We could, you could kind of hear that out. And then what the the bit where we were stood, we were stood behind strangely Wolfpack Sting, um, <laughs> who had the PCW logo uh, shaved into the side of his haircuts, dressed uh, very uh, creatively and very to the letter, uh, dressed like Wolfpack Sting. I don't know what that guy's deal is, but hey, it's uh, it's wrestling. It seems to. It, it obviously, he's a big PCW fan, and it brings. I'll be honest. The
1: guy needs to grow his hair out. He's almost there on the Wolfpack Sting look, but the hair was an issue. Like, he was going for Surfer-era Sting with the short hair. Obviously, it was black, but he needs to grow that hair out to go to the next step before Wolfpack Sting.
2: He seemed very nice. He gave his um, poster away to um, – there was a, a girl who was there with her dad, and he gave the poster away to her. Um yeah after the show because she was clearly knackered having gone to two Sting. of the shows during the day.
0: Sting, always the baby face. All he needed was a, was a guy dressed as Ric <laughs> Flair to turn on him. Um, <laughs> <have been> <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as the show goes, I mean, we'll we'll go through the highlights of the of the two shows on one day. I think that's another lesson PCW have learned to do. Rather than doing two nights, it's probably cheaper to hire the venue for one day and do these two mm-hmm. shows. We had two tournaments. Um, I liked that it wasn't one show for the tag or one show for the singles. We kind of had a, a mix of the the two tournaments throughout the day with a with a break in the middle I mean what did you make of, of that structure and uh, what did you make of uh, PCW as a product
1: I thought it worked pretty well to be honest um I would have liked to have seen maybe like a bracket of some sort of a tournament um But at the same time, it was fine. I thought the structure of the show was good. It meant there was variety throughout the card as well. Um, It meant at the same time you had something to follow at all points, and it made everything on the first card especially have some meaning as well. So everything was kind of leading somewhere. Everything had consequences. I thought that was cool. The actual style uh, that was employed in PCW I thought was quite interesting Mm. because it's a little less kind of um, work-ratey than some of the other indies that we would regularly watch in this country. And there was a little bit more emphasis on character on storylines feuds and dynamics that already existed in the promotion mm. and i thought that was quite cool because it gave a different variety to the matches it meant there was quite a it was quite easy to follow along as well there was something to get invested in in each match as well i,
0: I think yeah it's kind of all that together makes it like a, it's almost like a family friendly event without being uncool because i kind of think that yeah, the word "family friendly" has got a bad—I don't know. There's something bad about it with wrestling. It just—it sounds like the type of show I wouldn't really want to go to, and that makes me sound like a snob. But here, it was kind of the kids could get into the the wrestlers and follow the storylines along. And there were a lot, quite a few kids in the venue. But also, there's. You know, maybe the work rate isn't quite the the standard of progress or, or Rev Pro JP, but it's it's up there, isn't it? It's still uh, still strong stuff, and there's plenty there for everyone. I think variety show is is the the phrase of it. The few people describe PCWRs, and I think that yeah. uh, that really suits, doesn't it?
2: It was a great, like you say, it was a great variety show, and there were lots of people who were on these cards, who perhaps I'm not saying I would have been necessarily snobbish about previously but i hadn't really seen that i was really impressed with for example um have to mention and this is going to um, sugar dunkerton Ooh. and um, matt brooks um, as Dunkamania. they were absolutely fantastic as a as a comedy act um the ogdens had the um, sugar sugar chart on oh my god which which yeah, which is
0: stuck in my head for far too long, <laughs> and it'll be but. stuck into everyone who listens to this podcast head as well. How many minutes did it go on for? Oh, it was at least when it got its loudest in the in the second match that they were in. It was probably about three or four minutes. I would probably say. Uh, just it was non-stop. impressive. Yeah, it
1: was impressive. It was as impressive as Adam Brooks is singing on the way to the ring, and that was a bloody wish. impressive.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, Matt Brooks
1: Matt. Sorry, Matt Brooks. Yeah, Adam Brooks that,
2: singing
0: would be something else. I think.
1: his um, rendition of I Believe I Can Fly at the beginning of the match on the first show as well I thought was amazing and also fitting nicely with uh, the mania gimmick, being the theme to Space Jam as well, which I <laughs> thought was a nice little reference thrown in
0: there. He's got a great look, Matt Rooks, hasn't he? He's just, the opera gimmick really works for him. I remember the first time I saw him in, in Grand Pro Wrestling, he kind of, I thought, ah, it's a bit too similar to Aiden English, but he makes it his own, doesn't he? Doing spots in the ring, uh, singing mm-hmm. in opera style as he's flying around. Um, I think the the microphones, like we've said, it PC, the, the PCW microphones didn't really help him. I think he had two at one point just to make sure everyone could hear him. Uh, so he wasn't helped out by that. But yeah, I mean, this was both of your two guys' first time seeing him. He's like I said, he's got quite a mm. look, hasn't he? And he's got the the character down pat as well.
2: He really he really does. And and Sugar Dunkerton, who um, is probably best known through Shikara, um, but has been over here doing a. a a tour throughout the UK mm. um, he was it worked really perfectly as that wacky tag team to have together um, and also to shout out really for the second match they had in the way that um, Big T and Tell Bannon played off that particularly Tell Banham going into the crowd to tell people to be quiet kind of it was one of these moments where you had someone like Sugar Dunkerton being built up and at the same time Tell Banham reacting to that And then getting the heat from the situation by attacking them in order to break up the chant completely. Mm. And that just kind of encapsulated that kind of, it was a very old school thing to do, but you know what completely worked in that environment and it made you, and it made you care. Um, I think there was something you wrote about one. I'm slightly all over the place in terms of the matches. Yeah. We'll just go. through. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of um, the tag team interracial love um, Ashton Smith and Charlie Sterling, um, I mean, I, I think we all kind of loved them as a tag team, and I'm shocked when Charlie Sterling turned on Ashton Smith, and it worked It worked brilliantly. Yeah. But I never knew they were a tag team. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. That's the thing. So, <laughs> we, we
0: loved them across these two matches,
1: but mm. before that, we never knew they were a tag team, but we exactly. still reacted to it, and were... Devastated when he RKO'd
0: <laughs> Yeah, so this is the interracial love team of uh, Ashton Smith and Charlie Sterling. It was kind of like... you come out to black and white by which, Michael Jackson. Just perfect. And I just never thought I'd be so invested in a team breaking out that I only found out existed a few hours before that. It was just... <laughs> the, the the match we're talking about here, I and mean, we're going through highlights at least, firstly, of the, of the tag side of things, but they had a match with Rampage Brown and T-Bone, which was... Absolutely mm. my highlight of, of the two shows. It was just it was a comedy match, but it showed the the lighter side of T Bone and Rampage. T Bone and Rampage weren't planned to be a team uh, on this night. Um, uh, but they were just there was just this is something about two big bruisers kind of getting in on the joke and and enjoying themselves and just it was a great comedy match and it got good as well when it got to the physical stuff. I could have probably done without a few of the, the apron bumps that they did in the match, which probably isn't needed when you're already over from all the all the character stuff that Ashton Smith and Charlie Sterling were doing. But yeah, this was probably a good example, Joe, what you were saying before. This was a, obviously a storyline that PCW had been brewing with the interracial love team um, and then ending with Ashton Smith uh, getting turned on uh, by Charlie Sterling, who's probably better off as a heel. It gave you something, didn't it, to think, you know what, I'm, I'd be interested in following this along and, and seeing what happens next with this story.
1: Oh, absolutely. I like the way they were teasing it in the first match as well, with the way they were sort of posing, the way Charlie Sterling was sort of one-upping Ashton Smith at points as well. And there was a really nice divide between the team, because you, you kind of knew it was coming in a way as well. It, there were subtle hints there, but also Ashton Smith was a great baby face. His comedy was fantastic throughout both matches. And Charlie Sterling was great at subtly being a dick, <laughs> and then as soon as he confirmed he was a dick... It was a great moment. I was really impressed with Sterling over the two shows as well. Mm. There's really something there with him. He seems to have kind of... Uh, I don't know if he's um, working out as much as he was. His body looks a lot softer. doesn't look bad at all. But he doesn't look to be the kind of roided up um, Joel Redmond version 2 that he was previously. So he seems to be going all in on the character stuff. And you can tell that he's really improved as a character from what I've seen him previously. Mm. And he got over really strongly Is Hilton as well has probably got one of the biggest reactions of a night i could see a crowd coming back for this wanting to see that match mm. um i'm certainly going to be interested in what he does next as well and previously i'd watched very little pcw so that kind of speaks volumes for what they've
2: done for my interest oh and and to say as well with the team of uh, team single um rampage and t-bone i think there's a lot of promotions who can do a lot worse than getting in these guys together because they seem to work as that big bruiser tag team for which they're really you know there's there's an opening for a for a team like that throughout the uk at the moment and i think they'd be well positioned to kind of be in that role they, they seem to coexist really well together they had immediate credibility um i mean t-bone's kind of the man in pcw isn't he yeah. um
0: yeah the, the tag final was was t-bone and rampage wasn't it against uh Big T and Tal Banham, two of our, our favorite teams in the tournament and yeah I think that that was I mean what did you before we go into how that finished and and the the, the storyline seeds that the PCW set up uh, through this tag tournament we talked before about uh, Tal uh, I think we're all we all came away fans of him as a heel what did you make of a uh, Big T and his part in the tournament and uh, and making it to the final here
1: Um, he seems like he's still got a way to go to me Um, I think he's good and great with Tell Bannum, I think the dynamic works really nicely um, especially with Bannum being such a kind of chicken shit heel who knows how to get a reaction it's it's that nice kind of Classic Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash dynamic, and mm. sort of the thing they did with Prince Devitt and Bad Luck Fale as well in New Japan a few years ago. So I like that, and he's he works in the role. I think he's got a way to go in the ring. I think he's been put in. He seems to be getting like a kind of um, cult following on sort of wrestling Twitter, if anything, mm. because he's big T and he's a big bloke, and he seems like he's a he's gonna be something eventually especially with the goodwill that he's got on the internet from a small group of fans but at the same time I still think yeah there's a way for this guy to go I'm not sure how long he's actually been wrestling mm. um, but yeah I think he needs to be in a tag team for a little while mm. and play to his strengths with, uh, as a henchman basically think, or as a bodyguard
0: I think this is kind of the perfect team to put him isn't it they're, they're a great act him and Talbanum it's kind of a, a great use of both you've got the, the weasel with the beef case in Talbanum and mm-hmm. like you say you Got this big T playing the the Mister Hughes character. I just think, yeah, being in so many matches on this night maybe exposed them a little bit. I probably prefer him as the yeah, like you said, Joe, the the silent henchman um, on the outside. Um, yeah most definitely i mean what did you make of this as, as a final it was like you say t-bone and rampage against uh, big t and tell uh they set a lot of uh storyline things up here at the end didn't they jp it was uh quite yeah. a, an interesting uh use of the of them and i was quite i was pleasantly surprised to see t-bone and rampage go over too
2: yeah i was very surprised um i thought it was it seemed it was going to be big team and tell particularly his only um that Brown and T Bone were a makeshift team that were put together. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was a nice, pleasant surprise that it made the crowd happy as well. Um, and then afterwards, there were a couple of storylines they went into where Lionheart came in and hit a rock bottom on T Bone, and then Talbannon was going to cash in the title shot briefcase that he had as well, and then Rampage got up and kind of once he seen him, he he legged it. Um, so they were setting up some interesting stuff for the future um, and it's good as a promotion what they have always seemed to have kept in mind is to make sure that the that the that the, that the their own guys who they've got working there, they're making sure that they're around those top, top storylines, that people who are brought in are brought in to enhance those guys as well and it's a simple philosophy but I think sometimes it gets forgotten, um, especially when looking at how much star power and talent is out there but Ultimately, this tag final had four guys who are all PC or all very much PCW.
0: Considering they were the, I mean, I was a bit disappointed. The henchmen didn't uh, make it to the final. One of them being called Bent <laughs> on Destruction, which is one of the greatest names I've ever heard. Bent on Destruction and Jim Diehard, what a name! Um, yeah. I was sad they didn't get there, but Joe, I was a bit. Sad. I thought maybe I might have called an audible. That Dunkermania team of Matt Brooks and Sugar Dunkerton was so over on the night. Do you think there's an argument there for maybe? Letting them get to the final and going over here. Um, or are you happy with what he, he did? I, I
1: could see why they were probably going with um, Tell Bannham and Big T in the final. Mm. Uh, what where they're probably going with, especially Tell Bannen long term? It looks like they're building something with him. I think I think he was great at manipulating the crowd throughout throughout the day. Basically, mm. um, I was really impressed with what I saw from him. I, I wonder if the if dynamic wise, you would have had the same type of final if it would have been Dunker Mania against Team Single. Um, mm. I don't know whether you would, because obviously Team uh, Single were meant to be the faces, and they would have got overshadowed big time by... Uh, Brooks and Duncan in the final. So I think, like I said, it would have changed the dynamic quite a lot. So I do think they maybe made the right decision. And I think that Bannum and Big T were probably more disliked going into the final because they beat Brooks and Duncan as well. So I can see why they went the way they did, to be honest with you. And, You know, Brooks and Duncan had done the two matches over the day as well. They've got such a great reaction in both matches, and they got over in both matches. I don't think they necessarily needed a final, because unless they were going to win the final, Mm. I'm not necessarily sure they would have got as... It's hard to say, but I don't think them losing the semi and them losing the final made that much difference, personally.
0: Well, they've got them coming back, haven't they, for the Blackpool show? So it's that's coming yeah. up next week. So it's good that the they're, they're capitalising on the the popularity of that team and Sugar Dunkerton just being beloved. It seems uh, impressed that on this day. Um, but we've talked. He's also now the most fashionable man in British wrestling. Okay. He has stole
1: Trent Seven's uh, mantle <laughs> uh, as that most fashionable man. He looked amazing when we saw him in the pub afterwards
0: yeah that's it what was he wearing it's like a, a sweet scarf and a, was it was a purple looking shirt he was he was looking good
1: it was like a paisley sort of um shirt yeah it was it was cool it was cool no is it paisley is that the type of oh i can't remember it looked like one that alfie moon would wear beyond the bar of the queen Vic, but he made it look <laughs> infinitely cooler than what <laughs> shane richie would
0: what a man. um as far as uh, that's the the tag stuff kind of wrapped up but also on the day they had the the singles tournament as well uh Mm. speaking of people who look like they could be eastenders we kept missing dino uh, extreme uh dean Two extreme whatever his uh, his name has been uh, over the years um dean allmark uh we kept arriving 15 minutes late for shows didn't we we'd miss him in the opener every time Um, we at least got to see him uh, later on in the final which we'll get into in a moment but I can't talk about the singles bracket without talking about Zack Saber Junior. and Matt Riddle. It was the oh yeah the main event of the the first uh, show. Um, and at at least at that point until we got to Sunday, my absolute highlight of the weekend as far as in ring wrestling goes, it was just mm. sweet science, wasn't it? With uh, with hard shots mixed in, JP.
2: It was absolutely fantastic, amazing that Zack Saber Junior. could have this type of a match mm. the day after having that match with David Starr and Tetsujin. Um, but he did. Um, it was 15 minutes. Um, there was no wasted motion in this. Um, the styles completely gelled together brilliantly. Zach has just been on absolute fire this year and we're going to carry on the, the Zach loving and in, into progress as well. Um, it was just a like phenomenal match and Riddle was clearly loved it he was on it. There was a point where the entire crowd got quite quiet because they got into the match. Mm. They just completely were along hook line and sinker. Um there were some lovely transitions. Zach ended up using um his uh what is it when he he does the uh I've forgotten the name of it now. It's like a roll up with and then he bridges backwards. Like the bridging pin, the bridging pin that he does. Um yeah, and was, it was—it kind of felt like a shock, but actually, it'd been, the match itself had been fifteen minutes. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant.
0: Indeed. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight of me of the of, of the day. Uh, like you say, Zach Saber Junior. An absolute hero uh, across the weekend. <laughs> um, I suppose the other big story from the the single side of the bracket is uh, Apollo Cruz slash Uha Nation of uh, WWE fame i'm not sure if fame's the word but uh, <laughs> WWE opener apollo cruz uh, was here he was he was so happy to, i don't want to undercut it too much because he what he looked at least on his first uh showing so happy to be there to be back in preston uh, I thought him, him wrestling three times on the night and getting to the final was a, a little bit too much. Um, he was one of, after the, the big Chris Masters push in PCW, uh, Uhar Nation was kind of the next along, the next uh, big guy. That, Flood has definitely got a type, hasn't he, um, that he likes. Oh, and, boy, yeah. <laughs> U-ha- he
1: loves Hoss.
0: <laughs> yeah, Uhar Nation was kind of the big Uh, hit in pcw up until he left and went to to wwe it was a bit strange because it felt i was expecting the chance to be a bit louder than they were i think there's there's an element of this being a very different pcw crowd than the importer heavy pcw crowd that we that we used to have um but yeah, i thought he he looked good on the night and I, i think i remarked to both here on the night that it was almost for me he's the type of wrestler he's so impressive being massive and doing all these flips and and his offence is so crisp and great looking that I enjoy him a lot more in this smaller room than, than I ever enjoy him on Monday Night Raw.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you. I still couldn't get past the fact it was just that bloke who is on Raw um, in, a, in a club in Preston. Mm. Like I, This is just me being a massive cynic and a miserable bastard again, but I was just kind of like yeah about him, if, if i'm
0: completely joe, honest joe you got to see a wwe versus tna match when Cruz took on moose i mean come yeah, on is that not a highlight? I, yeah maybe you
2: know
1: yeah maybe i should just you know give in there and say that was an epic you know <laughs> <You> big <bigged> that <laughs> one up pop tv versus uh, the usa network and all that you know <laughs> fuck me something bravo No, challenge versus sky sports <laughs> I'll take repeats of Wheel of Fortune any day at <laughs> the darts. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I mean, throughout the night, he kind of he had his, his match with with the Eastern Rees. Eastern Rees? I always pre- struggle to pronounce his yes, name. Him. Yeah, him, that guy, the big guy, the other big guy again, a, a flood of favourites. Uh, I thought it was. I mean, <laughs> spoilers. He got to the final of Pearl cruise Cruz, which I thought was a. I don't know what you think, JP. Uh, I don't think I'd have done that. I think having the WWE again in, in brackets star um, on the show. I probably wouldn't have, have used him to this degree that they did have re- him out there wrestling three times. I thought the Moose match yeah. was alright, I thought the Reese match was alright. Um, but he, he put over, at least in the final, we got to finally see Dean Allmark after missing the two <laughs> openers. And it, it's great, isn't it, to see Apollo Crews put, put over a, a young British star in in, in Dean Allmark or uh, or Butland's work doing indie.
2: Oh yeah, the the cruiserweight champion Dean Almar, <laughs>
1: who
2: I mean, I hope he doesn't take this the wrong way. I think he might be pushing that two hundred five limit there a bit, but um, yeah, and the and the final was somewhat anticlimactic um again because I think he used the same maneuver that that Zach had used to beat uh, Matt Riddle um, but it was you know. It was fine. I, like you, I would have, I wouldn't have had uh, Apollo Crews in the final because it did seem kind of very odd and very jarring because it went about about six minutes or so. It was, it was quite quick. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing Moose in
1: the final. Actually, if I'm honest with you, I think yeah. Moose against uh, uh, what's his name would have worked. Dean a, Yeah, Dean Ormer would have worked a little bit better to be honest with you. But at the same time, I would have booked the whole tournament completely differently. But who cares what I, how I would have booked it? <laughs> i am not stupid.
0: Sorry, what do you make of, of Dean Ormark? Is like a he's like this. I don't want to say British legend, but he's. It's interesting because he's like that. Like I, I joked about before, the the holiday camp style wrestler who you wouldn't necessarily see on. A indie show, or you know, indie with a Y. He's not the he's not the type, is he, that you would expect to see on a show like this? And it's it's interesting the PCW have been using him these last few years, and I think he can put a shift in. I don't think we saw the best out of him. Only getting to see this this final match with him. Um, but yeah, it's like a it's like a culture clash, isn't it, of like old school British wrestling and the and the modern style. And um, that he can. Kind of oh,
1: absolutely! To. Like I was really intrigued to see him. Actually, I remember saying to you beforehand because I've never really seen him before. I knew he was. Um, but I was really intrigued to see that type of worker on this sort of show, but then at the same time I think one thing that PCW do is they bridge, like we said earlier, that family and kind of work rate indie style, and they get it they do it pretty well, they get it kind of right, and he is someone from that I suppose more family orientated show adapting his style slightly but also having that appeal to the kids but with Allmark, he looked like a good hand, but at the same time his look reeked of Butlins, (laughs) Butlins, <laughs> and like what I would associate a Butlins wrestler with, and I've seen other um, sort of camp wrestlers before, or predominantly camp wrestlers, wrestle on these sorts of shows and not do so well. Mm. And he looked a little bit more in place than various others that I've seen on these types of shows when they transition over the years. So yeah, I thought that he didn't look out of place necessarily. I don't know if I'd have had him go over. I don't know if I'd have had him go to the final, but at the same time, he's a uh, probably a I don't know. A drinking buddy of fludders and (laughs) he likes his big old boys and he likes a pint so yeah i'm sure that did him a few
0: favors (laughs) yeah i think it's kind of it was a good story to tell having this veteran go over but it was also kind of the, the issue there was the crowd were quite tired from having been there for, for two shows with only an hour yeah. break so i think that hurt it as well i mean going into that any other highlights on the show i thought matt riddle and and, uh, and brooksy had a, a good little match um this is yes. adam brooks not the not the matthew variety again in front of a, a bit of a tired crowd but uh for me another highlight jp
2: yeah absolutely um Getting more and more impressed with Adam Brooks mm. and and how he's um, how he's getting on. He's going to be over here for two years, so he started off. And I know that mm. uh, I think Joe, you're kind of waiting for that kind of really big Adam Brooks match. I thought this was the best I've seen of him since. He's yeah, I
1: got to say, I was really impressed with him in this match. Some crazy spots in there as well, and because of how crazy a couple of the Canadian Destroyer spots were in this match, oh yeah, they stood out more than anything else. On the night, because there wasn't an abundance of crazy high spots across this show, whereas with other indie shows you might more regularly attend, I don't know if these spots would have got over so big because there are so many of them across across the show. If anything, so they really put their spots well in this and did some. I did a sort of eight minute sprint, didn't they? Really, yeah. Um, and I thought they their styles both really complemented one another so quite nicely, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think we're going to see a hell of a lot more from Adam Brooks. Um, and he was he was out in the pub afterwards as well, and he he looked like he was having a, he'd had himself a good night as well. He wouldn't have a good night at the Stanley Arms. Exactly. Um,
1: One other person on the show that I was really impressed with, I've got to say, um, was um, Sheikh El Sham, who's oh, been yeah. wrestling for eight months. Uh, and he's going for like a Prince Nasim hamad gimmick here with the uh, leopard prince style mm. boots and mm. shorts. And it was great to see him on the door at the Stanley Arms <laughs> after the show.
2: We had a lovely old shift. chat with him.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, God. oh he, he must have been knackered. He was doing double what, triple duty that day, wrestling on two shows and he was the bouncer at the pub all evening as well. We had some good chats over the course of the night as well. He was a really nice bloke, and he looked like he had real potential. But somebody who's been rested eight months, even yeah. Moose had a perfectly tidy match together, I thought.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the real notable things about all of the matches over the weekend. Even the sort of big trainee match it didn't overstay its welcome too, too much either. I mean, and, and those things can be somewhat of a hodgepodge. There was nothing there that was that was bad. Yeah, this Everything was, was, at worst, fine. The shows had a really nice flow to them, a really nice structure.
1: I can't think of anybody who didn't really get over across the shows either. Everyone sort of elicited some form of a response. Mm -hmm. Um, The general atmosphere and the feeling inside The Evoke was great. I loved some of the characters in there as well. Um, some of Flutter's boys and kind of family and mates that were there
0: as well really added a thing or two to the show. Um, mean, we've got to talk about that. The uh, Flutter There's like a, a VIP section, isn't there? Like, it's almost like on the other side of the entranceway where... It's up. flutter comes across sometimes, doesn't he? Like he's an, an East London villain in like a in a gangster B movie. And there was there seems to be there was like a, a the VIP table with what looked like the the councillor of Preston. I don't know if you can confirm, um, JP uh, Joe.
1: Oh yeah, I think you made a shout didn't you? And said he looks like a local councillor. And then Andy Ogden said to us, oh yeah, that's Councillor Drew Gale up there." And it was like, what? That guy is actually a councillor. And it was when we found out he was a counselor and his designer jeans and all the rest of it and his blazer, it just made the evening for me. Like watching the interactions of the VIP area with the wrestlers, because the wrestlers, that's a walk past the VIP area on their way to the ring. It was just great. It looked like a VIP area in some like plush hip hop club in like a gangbanger movie from the sort of <laughs> mid 2000s You could see it turning up in Get Rich or Die Trying during a
0: club scene or
1: something. Yeah, all the rest was it-
0: going past showing respect as they make
1: their way back. Oh, yeah. And it just made the night. It's almost like this like this generation's version of the Yakuza in the front row at all Japan shows, if anything. (laughs) It it was fantastic, I got to say. And that that those guys were in the pub afterwards as well. And the situations around the whole show and the kind of fan culture around it and all the rest of it and getting a little bit of an insight into Preston and how things operate in Preston made this even more fun for we've, me as well we've
0: made it sound like a really really corrupt dirty town here i mean <laughs> it's only a dopey wrestling show <laughs> that he got good tickets to but i would say there was i mean there's as a reason apollo cruz was there on this show i believe i saw dave Meltzer report on the observer that there was some wrangling with wwe over getting uh, a one of the venues that the pcw use one of the guild halls um and to get it they had to let pcw have apollo Cruise for this one night it's definitely that counselor that in his uh, in his suit jacket and his dodgy jeans and his flash car that sorted this one out
1: i think it was his twitter handle of um the big dra- big valdrewski that swung it to be honest that is the greatest twitter handle of anyone in any kind of political party i've ever heard that is just (laughs) amazing the big valdrewski good on the man
2: you both missed the bit where um his wife had driven moose back from the show and like he's a big lad moose trying to get out of this um sort of quite flash white convertible outside (laughs) before interacting with shake El sham going into the pub It was amazing.
1: (laughs) Then Matt Riddle turned up at the pub for a good old time as well. That added to the evening. Uh, Big T Justice having a good time on his phone as well for the entire (laughs) evening. In his boat shoes and sport and tracksuit bottoms was another highlight as well. Trent Seven should be having words with that man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just the overall kind of day was great. And PCW, I thought thought it was a great atmosphere. It was very easy going. I felt very relaxed all day as well. There wasn't any huge expectation on anything as well. Um, It didn't feel like we were under any pressure in the pub being around sort of the guys who run the promotion and some of the guys who worked the show
0: as well. Me and Flutter Uh, have had some issues in the past, but I felt like we buried them on this night. I I felt a lot better.
1: He has become my new favourite promoter in wrestling, full stop. Just, what a man. Great suits. um, Love the Bam Bam Bigelow Road Warrior Animal sort of style he's going for. (laughs) Love the fact that he's got no shame. When I've, I've spoken here about promoters booking guys that they kind of shape themselves on or see themselves as before and that man is a big bloke and that man loves big blokes he loves hanging around with big blokes he loves taking selfies of big blokes some of the angles and his selfies are fantastic and carry on booking big blokes because if there's a hoss promotion where it looks like they're all having a good laugh together and it looks like there's a real spirit between the talent and the promoter that's all good with me <coughs>
0: Yeah, I would say Instagram.com slash PCW underscore UK for all your fantastic flood of photo needs. There's one there with him in John Barnes, one there with him in Mr. Motivator. There's one where he's on the Game <laughs> of Thrones chair, which is just, I'm so tempted to use that as the, the image for this episode.
1: What what a bloke, I've got to say, what a
0: bloke.
1: <laughs> I will go back to one of his shows, and it's a f- absolute jaunt for me to get up to Preston, but it's well worth it. Hossa Mania in Preston please.
0: (laughs) Yeah I mean I would say in all seriousness it was one of the this day was one of the most fun experiences I've had on a day of wrestling so I can't give much more of a compliment than that for PCW they've got a a show coming up at Blackpool Tower I think it is next week Um,
2: I'm Mm. on a
0: a day out there anyway with with my cousins it's kind of a stag do kind of situation and I'm tempted to just disappear for three hours and go and watch me some PCW and see some more Dunker Mania and and hang out with Flutter again. Uh, I'm not sure if I can get away with that but i'm certainly tempted you should get him and councillor
1: drew gale along for the
0: stag bait <laughs> definitely definitely yeah uh, <laughs> the lads uh, with a z definitely yeah. i think pcw it's just to wrap up it's, it's kind of that it's a reminder sometimes modern british wrestling it did exist before progress um, just in the wacky northwest Uh, stylings of flutter and yeah i'm glad that they're still around and uh, they're still putting on uh, compelling shows for the people of preston city so after a day in liverpool and then a day in preston we rounded the weekend off with a a trip to manchester to see our favorite promotion progress and their chapter 63 take the underground show it was a quite a silly stacked card to be honest there was a lot of of Good-looking stuff on this card. I had some issues with how some of it was built, but you, you couldn't look at that card and not think it was stacked. Um, this was both of your guys' first trip to the Manchester Ritz since 2016, June 2016 or around mm. then. Um, what do you make of the the Manchester Ritz as, as opposed to the ballroom uh, as a venue uh, for progress?
1: I love the ballroom, but I thought this venue was great as well. Um... It quite different when we went two years ago as well. It seemed like a lot more people there, atmosphere. It wasn't bad last time we went, but the atmosphere was lively throughout, um, really fun venue. I prefer it to the Birmingham venue, I've got to say. I don't think anything ever beats the ballroom, mm. but this was a really great alternative venue to the ballroom, I thought, and it, like, where I was stood, it looked great. When I looked around, every corner of the room
2: looked full. Yeah.
1: People were kind of really packed in as well, really yeah. vibrant
2: atmosphere throughout yeah I'd second all of that um I thought as well that the that the crowd reactions for the most part it seemed like they were it was a different crowd from the ballroom or from what the ballroom is now um it didn't feel like um any a a lot less silly chance or maybe that was just me
1: i didn't hear hear as many stupid chance i didn't hear as many annoying random comments during matches that you're supposed to watch as well seem maybe because they get because they get less progress shows they were a little bit more respectful to the wrestlers when they were actually doing their thing as well or maybe that's just me i don't know um but that was quite nice as well because it meant that you could really concentrate on what was going on you weren't getting distracted by shit going on in the crowd constantly so yeah really overall in terms of atmosphere in terms of setting really good stuff i thought
0: Absolutely. well we should probably go we'll go through the whole card because there's a lot of uh, talking points throughout the show that i definitely want to get into uh we've opened up with a natural progression series match drew parker and spike trivet 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 i'll go with trivet um, I like him, he's a good character uh, mm. part of me kind of thinks him coming out now and wrestling in the shirt and tie is a bit prelim uh, they've stopped Jack Gallagher doing that on 205 Live so uh, I'm not sure if it's a, a good idea for someone in progress here either, it just screams a little bit small time for me, uh, I prefer him when, he's, when he used to wear the Triple H or the original Triple H inspired uh, tights only uh, but yeah I thought he was good, I thought Drew, Drew Parker looked good as well uh, what did you make of this as an opener?
2: Thought he was perfectly fine for what it was. It was quite short. Um, we've seen a lot of natural progression matches over the last few years. And this is probably on the the slightly better scale of them. Um, uh, Drew Parker works hard. They both work hard. Um, Drew Parker seems like he's quite liked as well by the crowd. He seems like he's got over
1: quite effectively. Uh, likeable chap. Yeah, most definitely. Thought they put some good sympathy on him as well with the... Um, attack with a glass bottle at the end. Yeah. I thought that was uh, a good way to go. they Are building, are they building some of a rematch as the main event of the next Dome show? And are, are they doing a death match between the two guys?
2: Yeah, I think they are, aren't they, for this? And, and it, this should be the year when both of them start to become regulars on progress shows up and down the land. Um, and Spike Treve looks like one of the better Projo slash Knuckle Locks gym guys to come along in a little
1: bit he's the first one to come along in a while really to kind of stake a claim isn't he i think i can't remember the, who the last person would have been who really has become a regular on um proper chapter shows if anything mm. uh, it seems like a good while since we've had anyone that come from sort of that projo background and get on shows on a sort of monthly or maybe every other month sort of basis so Fair play to Eamon in that regard, most definitely, for sort of staking his claim. Uh,
0: yeah, so as you say, uh, Treve took out uh, Drew Parker with that. Uh, champagne perfect weapon for trevay it's it's uh it's a great character all in all like i say it just maybe a touch gimmicky for me but yeah that that no dq slash death match that they're heading towards uh should be really interesting and yeah that, he's definitely it's it's he's not someone who at the moment i that high up on the car but perfectly suited for for openers like this and like you say drew parker did his part as well um from there we went to our, our second match which was I would probably have to say it was the, the weak point of the evening. Uh, we're going to get into much more positive stuff later, but mm. Charlie Morgan and Tony Storm against uh, Shakara and and Nina Samuels, um, I spoke to a couple of people about this match. I heard some, I think it was Chris Lane who was saying that it was almost like Tony Storm was wrestling this match on her own um, because she looked yeah. several levels above the other three in this match. And I've heard so many good things about Charlie Morgan. I know you're a fan, JP, as well. Yep. I've, I've seen some of her Eve work um, and liked it, um, but there wasn't really much of that here. She looked uh, quite poor, as did the other two.
2: Yeah, she did. I was really shocked. As someone who has given Eve a chance last year and and gone along to a few shows, I was I was quite surprised by how ill-fitting she seemed. There was a particular sequence when she was going from corner to corner with Chikara in one corner and Nina Samuels in the other, and it looked like the footing wasn't right. The stri- like
0: strike didn't what? connect. She just thought, yeah. Like, yeah. She'd lost the whole like facility. Like she she was like running like a a kind kind. Of, it wasn't a straight line. She just looked awkward. Uh, it was just it a really like, weird match for her. Sounds like a confidence thing, if anything, to
1: me.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it was, re- but it was so surprising. I mean, having seen her and seen the way that that the matches she's had in Eve in particular, and she's a real daredevil. In Eve, that's part, part of her gimmick, and it, it, this was complete was really surprising. And like you say, it did feel like when Tony Storm was in that the match that the match considerably picked up. Jakara's really young, and she's not there yet. Nina Samuels has um, a good look, and there's some good potential there, but again, not at the level that Tony Storm is, and not really at the level of what chapter shows should be at this point which is somewhat worrying seeing as well now i'm somewhat spoiling the finish but three of the three of the women in this match are now part of the house of couture stable along with Ginny, and it was like it was hardly the greatest showcase for them
1: yeah it, i think as well the last two non-ballroom chapters we've had these two random tag matches with four women <clears throat> and neither of them been very good they've been the weakest match on the show at both shows and They've almost seen, I don't want to call this one directionless with the angle after the show, but they've just seemed a bit, eh, a bit random, sort of a bit thrown together. And I don't really know if, they're, if they've they got a game plan. They must have a game plan now with this faction. But in Birmingham, at the last uh, non-ball chapter, did they know they were going ahead with this stable? Because at the time, it just felt like a random match, and it didn't really go anywhere so Mm -hmm. I wonder if this stable's been put together recently if it's something to get around Ginny's injury and it also feels Mm -hmm. very very WWE inspired remember that week I don't watch Raw and Smackdown but I keep up with the results and remember that week where the Riot Squad and whatever,
2: is
1: that Pages team, came together in one week. It just seems like, oh, well, I watched WWE recently, and there are two great women's factions, one on Raw, one on SmackDown. Why don't we just throw a faction together? Mm. And it just feels a bit like that, and it now feels like they're trying to kind of stack the odds against Tony Storm in order to put sympathy on her. But if none of the challenges are any good, then I don't know how much sympathy she's going to get when she's clearly... 10 times the wrestler at this point in time that everyone else in this match with her was. They've got to a point where they need to build an- another challenger that isn't just Ginny or something to do with Ginny for Tony Storm as well. It seems that all their eggs are in the Ginny basket and surely there's got to be someone else out there who can credibly challenge Tony Storm for this title. Like Her title reign now. She won the belt in May. It's now February. In nine months, can you remember? can you remember a Tony Storm match?
0: In detail, no.
1: Okay, the only one I can remember is the Dahlia Black match, uh, and that was because it was at Ali pally. I can't remember any other Tony Storm match in that time. And it just seems like they've built this women's title, but they've absolutely wasted it. Now, lots of the promotions get criticised, and progress has always seen as this lovely, open-minded, progressive, forward-thinking promotion. Okay, what have progress done with the women in the last year to, to prove that, like, seriously? There's not really been any form of... Uh, consistent booking or concentration on the women's division they have occasionally had two women's matches on a show they probably didn't know what to do with the women in this match they threw them all together in this tag match on the birmingham show as well and it just seems like women as filler if anything so forward thinking hmm
2: i'd also say as well it it was strange booking at the end because we had charlie morgan turn on tony storm yeah and it kind of meant what we really been watching then for the previous little bit.
0: I wonder whether that was a a decision of necessity. Maybe it's the fact that Ginny isn't going to be wrestling in the coming weeks and maybe they're thinking they can slot Charlie Morgan into those roles in those matches that that Ginny was supposed to be in. That's the best I can come up with.
2: Yeah, then she's going to have to have a hell of an upgrade on this performance. Mm. I don't like saying that. I get no pleasure from that. I've seen her have much better matches than this. Mm. But really in order for this to work she's going to have to have a couple of absolute stormers yeah. Pardon the, um. uh,
0: moving on then next up we have the mark andrews and, and flash morgan webster a match that i said before it was a stack car but this was a match that was added late and i just kind of looked at it like nah. i mean these are two guys who i mean i love mark andrews but i feel like progress Uh, They're doing a good thing with the Eddie Dennis feud, uh, but I feel like I've seen him have every match he can possibly have in progress. Morgan Webster's someone who's just just a bit lost, a bit dead in the water at the moment. Uh, But this was actually, despite that, actually really good, I thought. There was a lot of storyline stuff Mm. that we'll get into into in a moment, but in isolation as a match, uh, I really enjoyed this thing. Yeah, I thought it was
1: really good fun. Um, I also thought it made a lot of sense. If you go back to Ali Pali, when... Flash almost turned on Mark Andrews, and obviously didn't. They hugged, and we got Eddie Dennis, who came in from behind as well. And it almost played into that a little bit. Uh, Flash didn't look too happy after the match either, so we got a little tease as well. So I think in terms of booking a match that um, had been kind of there, ready to be made for months now, if anything, um, it was a good piece of booking. It was a nice, clean match as well. It was enjoyable. Both guys, they'd worked together quite a lot before, knew one another's spots. I really enjoyed this match.
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I think the last five minutes in particular were really. It really felt well paced. It had been a kind of a bit of a slow, slow build up at the start, but it worked really well into the into the final few um, into the final few minutes. Um, and again, I mean, it's really unfortunate because you know with with talking about sort of some of the the storyline things in terms of eddie dennis and his recent injury so uh, i don't know how long he's going to be out for but i think he's going to july, be july july which i never okay. want to see anyone injured for the sake of this particular storyline is not the worst thing but obviously for eddie not working in that time it's it's terrible no one wants to see anyone injured he's out
0: um, in july now isn't it i believe that was the latest yeah. prognosis
2: yeah, which is a which is a real sh- which is a real shame um for him obviously and, and hopefully he when he comes back he'll be a hundred percent. Um I'm intrigued by where they're going with this with the flash um and Vicky Haskins angle, although not quite sure because part of the problem is is that Vicky Haskins' role in progress, and we're gonna be coming on to this later on, obviously is tied in with Mark Haskins and Jimmy Havoc and it's you know, it's really hard to know what they're doing within progress. Um, thought, so, there's still so much that's kind of unanswered. What is she, you know, what is this actually going to be doing in any practical sense? Because we've had zero explanations, really, as to what she is doing there. Perhaps Flash is the higher power.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you joke, but yeah, I think Christopher Daniels was supposed to be the original uh, higher power. I think Morgan Webster could be uh, good in a role like that. Um, I mean, no all <laughs> though I thought Webster... Actually, I was kind of watching him during this match, and he was very, I thought subtly with his movement in the match and the way he kind of looked at Mark Andrews when he made his entrance and got a louder pop. He was kind of a subtle heel here. Um, I've not been a fan Mm -hmm. of, I mean, I'm never a fan of a losing streak gimmick. Um but I think he's playing his role as well as you possibly could here and I don't know what did you make of the the raw style distraction finish with Vicky turning up ringside and uh taking away uh Webster's uh, helmet um to distract him that was uh, probably the, one of the more WWE finishes I've seen.
2: <laughs> oh, it's
1: amazing what uh, losing a helmet can do isn't it really. Um yeah. Um I, I, I hate that sort of booking, if I'm honest. I understand it as a necessity occasionally. I suppose I can sort of see it here. What I thought it tied into nicely was the fact that Eddie Dennis has this agenda against Mark Haskins... Bit not being a nice guy and being nice on the face of everything. But deep down, he's actually someone who you can't trust, but he'll put a smile on it. So you can trust him. And as soon as that finish happened, I think it was you. I turned to Benno and said, right, that's that will tie into what Eddie Dennis might then come out and say, oh, and he might try and get flash on side as well. And it did. And it worked quite nicely in Eddie mm. Dennis's promo segment. So I can see why they did it. I'd, I'd have loved something a little bit more than just a, helmet being grabbed because i don't know it's a fucking helmet they usually take them to the bat most of the time don't they when they put their yeah. hat when he puts his hat and helmet down <laughs> but eddie dennis i thought was great uh post-match with oh, his, promo was... his promo once again it's probably not me. so great i liked what uh Benno's mate gary said to me when he said he's your top heel why is he wearing what he's wearing and i thought straight away yeah it's a good point <laughs> he looks like he is like, I don't know, going for a night out down Yates's or something in what he was wearing. So there could have been a little bit more consideration as to that. But the actual substance and content of the promo was excellent. Um, I'm gutted Eddie Dennis is out till July. But at the same time, maybe they can rethink the how they plot this storyline out and get it to lead into Wembley potentially.
0: I would say, I mean, talking wrestling tropes, one thing I was very impressed with that Ring Crew came out to separate them and wouldn't you know it, they were actually successful in uh, pulling yeah. Dennis away and separating them. I mean, no, I know you can't really do much physical with Eddie Dennis, but I, I kind of like that, it seemed to, uh, it got the ring crew over, uh, maybe that wasn't the the intent of the angle, but <laughs> every now and then yeah, th- those types of things should probably work, rather than every time that you get ring crew involved, they all get bumped uh, which is something we maybe saw a little bit of later on in the show uh, but yeah, more great stuff from Eddie Dennis and yeah, he's a great heel, great promo and okay, we might have to wait till July but hey, that's more time to build so next up then we had uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tyler Bates. Uh, this was a match I was very much uh, looking forward to and it definitely delivered. It was a kind mm-hmm. of classical technical brilliance, like a, almost like an older school British match, but with your modern twists, with hard strikes and just great chemistry between two. There were a couple of standard ovations in this one the JP and it was just a,
2: just an absolutely
0: yeah. awesome match and probably what you'd expect when you put uh, two of uh, Britain's Absol- best against each other.
2: Absolutely. It was, it was fantastic. And there was a lot to be said. I mean, there was some nice stuff really at the very start where, um, they were being really brutal on each other. And the way that Tyler Bate played into it by kind of looking somewhat offended of like, Hey, what are you doing? What, what are you trying to do with this match? Um, as Zach, who was giving, delivering these sort of vicious kicks, um, it was, it was fantastic. Um, like I say, there was a really big standing ovation during it. Um, and it was so well worked together. I want to see these two match up again because they can have some absolute crackerjack matches, um, throughout there. And the way that, um, Tyler Bate just seemed to sink in naturally with, with Zach style and even, and vice versa as well. Um, Thought it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think on most other weekends it would be the match of the weekend, and you cannot uh, and there's a really good argument for this one being the match of match of the night as well. And I still don't know how I feel about it, whether or not it is my favourite match from this card because it was obviously incredibly stacked as we're going to be getting into.
0: Mm. I thought Zach, say even if you can't call it the best match, I mean, having this match, having the match with Riddle. Uh, yeah. and the David Star match on Tetsuja. I think it would be hard-pressed to pick anyone other than Zack Sabre as a uh, wrestler of the weekend here, Joe.
1: Oh, yeah, he had an absolutely amazing weekend. I think you could even argue that he's been the wrestler. I know it's very early to say this, but the wrestler of 2018 so far is January and his February have been absolutely amazing between Progress, Rev Pro, um, Evolve as well. He's done some great stuff in that. I've seen the Tetsuja match with Star. He's been absolutely tearing up recently, and long, long may it continue, because he's not had a even average match this year. I've seen a good amount of what he's done this year so far, and I've been impressed with just about everything, and also it's the variety of opponents that he's facing as well. He can have a really hard-hitting match with the likes of Evolta in Evolve. He can come here and have a really kind of smooth, technical match with Tyler Bate that Sort of involves a nice bit of subtle storytelling as well. He can have a glorified squash against Darby Allen, and he can do something with Suzuki Good and a tag match at York Cool as well. And mm. everything he does has been absolutely brilliant. Um, if we don't see Zack Saber Junior. in kind of a top three, top five um, in the world by the end of the year for his work this year, I'll be quite amazed. If he carries on at this pace, then he's doing himself a lot of favors this year. Yeah, I want he's to set him in my again. favorite wrestler this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want to see a really good um, tag title run and a really good world title run with uh, Suzuki in Rev Pro as well. Because mm. if he's on more cockpit shows as well, I'm going to be going to those shows every month, if that's the case, because you know that he's going to be delivering good title matches month after month and building that title into something really special as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I think what I like about him as well is the like you said, the variety of matches that he can have, but even the fact that the variety of finishes, the fact that his finisher on a given night is whatever he kind of feels like. I mean, on this night, it was that weird like cattle mutilation style uh, submission, wasn't it? Where he kind of killed yeah. tyler bait dead yeah. uh but you believe anything there was a point in the match where he grabbed an armbar right out of the tyler driver and you buy that too and that's that really just it works well for his matches doesn't it that you buy these various moments as the finish
1: definitely he's got that bridging pin as well that he does i've seen him doing a domino stretch sort of move to finish matches as well mm. before he's the the move that he did on bait to finish it um is his kind of ultimate finish because it's the move that he uses on Osprey whenever he finishes him in Red Pro That's right, and yeah. I think using that as your kind of it almost, almost reminds me a little bit of what Kabashi using the Berlin Hammer or Misawa using the Tiger Driver 91 and like the modified versions of it and like the Ganzo Bombs and all that sort of stuff from all Japan because there's that little bit there's that little bit of an extra layer to the story that he's using that finisher that he has to use to put that opponent away because they're so good that they can take him to his absolute limits and it's also the way that he finds his way into the finisher at times as well i think is absolutely great um it's one of the things that becomes unpredictable about Zack sabre junior match as well how is it going to win but there is a little bit of predictability when he puts whatever this move where he sit, basically sits on their head and spreads their arms out uh, whatever he calls that you know that is the end if anything so mm. really good work on his part in coming up with a variety of different finishes that you can throw into a match one last finish I'd love to see him come up with is a strike if he could finish sort of a match of a strike like a knee strike or something occasionally because his strikes are great shining wizard variation maybe the only thing you would maybe say with that is his size and how much he's got on him you could argue that maybe it wouldn't make as much sense but I'm sure he could find a way of working something like that into a match as well
2: yeah
0: Indeed. Well, uh, I kind of thought coming out of this with a, a strong win that we were headed towards a big Zack Sabre match, potentially in, Ma- in Manchester. You know, we got that big show coming up at Victoria Warehouse. But but no, the yes. uh, second half kicked off with Jack Sexsmith coming out to speak to the crowd, uh, announcing he's going to be cashing in his, his title opportunity. I'd, I'd forgotten that he had one. He'd won that Weird multi-man in Sheffield, hadn't he, where nobody had bothered turning up? Uh, I lose track of the number of ways you can apparently get a progress title shot here. Uh,
1: yeah, CK Cooper and Chris Brooks can just get two in a row, can't they, when they haven't won any matches to justify them having shots?
0: At some point, we should put a list together of all the different types, whether it be, I mean, well, random six man, Thunder Bastard, super strong style, natural progression. A say, am I missing Natural anything?
2: progression, yeah. It, it becomes everyone you get a title shot you get a title shot everyone gets a title nine shot. month injury oh you're
1: back mate title shot is your reward you yeah. lost the
0: loser leaves progress match six months ago
1: title shot to be honest mate don't forget everyone welcome everyone's welcome <laughs> to a title shot
0: <laughs> apparently as well if you're following this show if you win a twitter vote even if you've well i suppose luckily that the man who lost the twitter vote uh spoilers Jonah rock never had the progress match before but apparently he gets to be in the twitter vote for the next title match um, could you argue that the
1: could you argue that the atlas title is actually a discriminatory title <laughs> Because it discriminates against people below 205 pounds. Are they not body-shaming in some way?
0: (laughs) It's a fair point, Joe.
1: Yeah, can't argue with that. There's your next one. Weight divisions, discriminatory.
0: See, that's what I was thinking when... When Jack Sexmith came out, I thought, yeah, maybe he will. Maybe he'll even reference that in his promo, that he uh, that he couldn't go for the Atlas belt. I mean, all joking aside, what you, what you make of this, that, that Jack Smith's going to be headlining this big match? They've got to fill 2,000 seats at the Victoria Warehouse. Jack Sexsmith's, I would say, more over in London than he is in Manchester. Uh, a bit RLF of left field, this choice. Uh, JP, you've been a fan yes. of Jack Smith in the past, um, or either you. Yeah. What
2: do you make of this? I'm, I'm not happy about this. Um... And like I say, I'm, I'm a fan of Sex Smith. I like him. I like the character. Um, this goes against the kind of what you need to do with a character like that with a slow build. And from having spoken to a few people there, you didn't get the impression he's not as over in Manchester than he is in London. And that is problematic because he is a Londoner. At the end he's of the day, it's from, well. from North London as well. in North London, yeah, basically. So if you so if you have that match at the ballroom, absolutely fine. Or if you have it on one of the days at Super Strong yeah, Start, exactly, absolutely my argument, fine. Straight away, I could see that. I can understand why that would be the case. There's a risk here because are we going to be getting the effectively the Jack Sex? I mean, I remember watching Jack Sexsmith Travis Banks first time round, which was, was kind of great. which was fantastic, and it was like that big match that kind of really got, it got turned, sex
1: with more over it, made it me did take him a bit more serious he I turned the just, character
2: then didn't yeah. it to be more serious from and that he became point. a
1: bit more aggressive in the match put a lot of sympathy on him
2: as well yeah i don't and like you say they're going to try and f- f- sell out with two thousand seats which they might well do but i it, this match is not going to be I, I find it hard to think that this is the match you're going to they're going to come up that the crowd are going to come away with thinking, yes, this is the match you really want to see. This was the best match of the weekend. I don't see that happening. I can see Jack Sexsmith being being facing peril for it. Um, yeah, I'm not happy. I'm not happy about this. This is something that should have been built to really slowly. I heard some people saying that it would be the kind of thing you could have done at Wembley,
0: but no, what, what's he been that.
2: doing for the <laughs> last few months, Sexsmith, in order to get this as well?
0: People are going to pretend, aren't they, that this has been well built too. I oh, don't know, you've not been paying attention to the story over the last two years. I've been paying attention to the story. They tried to do something like this last year with him and, and make yeah. him serious, and it was... I know he had the injury, so it was stopped start, stop, but I don't know about you, Joe. I think I would have thrown the towel in by now on this try-and-make-Jack-Saxbyth-a-serious character yeah. idea that they had last year. Or you
1: try and build him again as a serious character, um, or you give him a couple of wins over some... Like kind of more legitimate opponents other than a big win the scramble match, and to some build offense. To this yeah, 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 now, one of the things I think with this as well <clears throat> to me, this is an indictment of progress's fly by the night weird but almost quite arrogant booking at times as well, so it almost speaks to that level of well, we've got our group of fans who kind of listen to and go of anything we want to do, so we're going to do it. And it just feels like another rushed title shot, um, if anything. Maybe it should have happened last year, but if it's happening this year, build to it. Don't just announce it randomly. But it also makes me wonder if, I don't know, they understand their fan base as much as they think they do. Because in Manchester, he doesn't seem anywhere near as over as he is in London. And it just seems like we've got another title match on a big show again that doesn't really have any build. It's, again, a personal story. Um, Brixton, Mark Haskins' personal story. No real feud going into the match. Um, Ali Pally last year, an attempt at a feud between Travis Banks and Pete Dunne, but wasn't much of one, let's be honest. And now we've got this, which is then their biggest show since Ali Pally, Mm. and it's kind of like, Ah, right. Unless there's another match that's going to main event over this match, which wouldn't surprise me, because they seem to like putting the world title on in the middle of the show, uh, sort of mm. recently as well. So, who knows if this is going to be the main event or not? But as much as I like Sex Smith, and as much as I've enjoyed the sex with storyline and the sex with character, and I like him as a wrestler. Um, yeah, I'm not sure this is the way to go. And was there much of a response when he announced he was going to be fighting for the belt at Victoria Warehouse? I don't remember much of a response.
0: No, no that's it. I think people were just. I think a lot. That's the other thing you mentioned earlier about the Manchester crowd. A lot of the people there, I, in my personal experience anyway, are people who don't always follow the Camden shows or the Sheffield shows. So they probably had no idea Jack Saxmith had this in his back pocket either. Um but yeah, my first response was Are they messing? Um and I'm still feeling like that now. I don't know what they can do now between between now and Manchester and, and before the Victoria Warehouse You're show. you have to build but, up
2: the undercard is what yeah, they're gonna have to do. Yeah.
0: Or like Joe said, come up with a uh,
1: with something big. Is there an Atlas match that might go on ahead of this possibly? That's what I was wondering.
0: Possible, possible. Um have they, got, on, they no. got a
1: Manchester show between um Victoria Warehouse and now?
0: Nope, that's it now.
1: Wow. Interesting.
0: Right. <laughs> well, we'll get to the Atlas title in a little bit, but before we we get there, then we had a another big match that got announced uh, quite late. Uh, Progress described this as the the cherry on top when they were putting the card together. Mm-hmm. Um, another big high point of the night: uh, Pete Dunn and Trent Seven. Uh, the British Strong Style tag team that I genuinely forgot even existed. Um, <laughs> that they were a massive uh, part of progress lore and leading to that Pete Dunne, uh winning the world title. But yeah, until this night, I genuinely forgot they were a team uh, before Mustache Mountain got back together. Taking on David Starr and Matt Riddle. Um, I would say they looked like this was the match where I kind of was just looking at it, thinking these are four stars, all four of them coming out. The great intro for for david star and matt riddle uh, was fantastic as well they just look like four megastars for proper wrestlers and they could have played this one for comedy but i felt like there was a, a lot of good wrestling here as well
1: yeah this was a great match it was a lot of fun um didn't have a lot of expectation for it. R- big fan of all four guys, but 15 minutes or so of just non-stop action. There was a little bit of comedy in there, but they toned it down and it worked in the context of what they were doing as well. Mm-hmm. I think if Trent Seven's in there, you're always going to get a, a, a sprinkling of comedy. Let's just say, yeah. But this was great. So many sort of intricately woven, interesting double team spots, reversals, great counter wrestling there at times as well. Absolutely loved this match. Exceeded any sort of expectation that I had for it. Got to be honest, it was probably my second favourite match of the night. I think I actually preferred it to the Zach tyler bate match, which Mm. I wasn't expecting considering I was a massive fan of that match as well. But in terms of just a random tag match, this was awesome. And these guys were four of the absolute best guys on this card, and they proved that here on this evening.
2: Yeah. I want to see Riddle and Star team up again. And um, they had a great dynamic working together as well. And it, it felt like it felt like almost going back, a, I'd say, a couple of years or say a year and a half where you just had this great tag match going on. And you were, com- you know, again, completely immersed within it. it. There were no sort of silly screwjob stuff, which started to happen with a lot of British Strong Style matches throughout 2017. It was there, there was that there was that lack of that as well um Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And between, you know, really how to kick off the second half of the show, and it, it was a stat second half. So, what a perfect way to kick off that second half of the show. It's interesting the position
1: that Dunn and Trent are in at the moment because I don't know, with Pete Dunn, is it a matter of time? I don't know what's going on with Trent, <clears throat> but they continue to book Pete Dunn. But I wonder if they're sort of hesitant to put him into any main storyline now the Connors thing's done because he could be pulled at any minute I suppose
0: yeah we've kind of been saying that for a couple, for a year or so though haven't we and it's, and he's announced it isn't he for the Wembley show so maybe there's an idea they've got him till then but yeah that then begs the question why isn't he doing more story based stuff but yeah it wouldn't surprise me either even though that is announced that he, he pisses off and goes and, uh, and starts to sun himself in Florida because <laughs> it's got to be in his destiny hasn't it
2: yeah, yeah it has to be he's too good <laughs> not to be there But then again, the crazy old man runs that place still. Well, (laughs) not Florida. Not Florida, though, thank God. Yeah, that's true.
0: Very true. Um, We touched on it before, then we might as well get into it. What sometimes feels like the main event title of Progress at the moment, the Atlas title. Uh, Volta and Mark Davis. Uh, JP, you described this excellently on the Indie (laughs) Corner Twitter account during the live tweeting, the polar opposite of a tickling contest. Uh, a batch for oh. those who thought uh, Thatcher and Water was soft. Uh, polar opposite was tickling contest. What's that mean, JP?
2: Oh, it was the the biggest shit-kicking affair that I think I've ever seen in the <laughs> flesh. <laughs> yeah. um, it was the reactions yeah. to this and the reactions to the chops. And Mark Davis's chest, which really kind of dominates all thoughts of the match, which again was very good. And i have to say I was worried about this going in because I thought they were going to these two weren't going to match up for quite some time. I thought they were going to build to Mark Davis, perhaps winning, w- winning actual progression and and challenging Walter for an Atlas title as opposed to a world title match. However, we had this and it told a very, very simple story. Of the Mark Davis endurance test um and it was it was incredible in terms of the brutality. It was captivating yet you had to turn away, watching his chest bleed to the point where we were having a debate around us about whether or not he'd gigged at all on his chest to to make the blood. David was like actually no, there's been lots of photos up online of his of his chest as well. So again, if you thought Ilya Dragunov had anything after the Walter match at 16 carat, oh my God, this was like a whole new level to me. and And it was incredible. I mean, Mark Davis is now over big time.
1: Yeah, he made himself into a star with this performance. Yep. The
2: response he got, like people liked Aussie Arrow anyway, but
1: the response he got, Aussie, Aussie Arrow, Aussie Open, but the response he got at the end of this was great. Like There was a lot of respect, a lot of appreciation. If I was them, I'd consider doing a rematch of this at Victoria Warehouse. Yes. But if you go a Manchester credit, and after this one, there's definitely more to this story. It seemed to me like it was the classic um, progress booking style where the challenger loses the first match. Match, the babyface challenger that is and then he comes back and he wins that second match um, after a kind of build where they gradually overcome uh, that foe and Walter being that foe this time um, like you basically said it JP really simple story and I loved how it was Mark Davis hits hard but Walter hits harder than Mark Davis and he's mm-hmm. going to tell him that he hits harder time and time again
0: <laughs> Walter's just
1: that. incredible
0: do you yeah. Think I think that hurt Mark Davis at all. The fact that his gimmick is that he hits hard and everything he did just paled in comparison to, 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 Walter. I almost wanted them to stop at one point just to, just stop trying. Uh, you can't compete with this man. Do you think that hurt him at all?
1: I think it's part of the story that they're telling. Well, I hope it is. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I it's whether come. you believe that, isn't it? Whether you believe there is a long-time story here, or if they just threw this match together to fill a role on the card, which was kind of my worry going in. But you're right, there's an obvious story there. It'd be Absolutely. a shame if they don't tell it.
1: Yeah, if they don't go with that story following this, then they're really missing out, to be honest, and doing Davis a disservice. Because Volta, as well, I thought was great at sort of changing the pace of this match at the, the appropriate time. He'd change up from chops to a boot that he'd throw in. Mm. And as soon as he'd throw that in, it would have a real impact because we've been used to seeing the chop at that point in time. It reminded me sort of of a 90s All Japan match where you've got, say, a Misawa going up against like a Jumbo Saruta and he can't get there the first time. He doesn't quite have what it takes or say um, Kabashi when he was coming up as well as a younger guy, um, there was sort of it was rooted in that. I know Volta loves that style of wrestling and loves that psychology as well. And in terms of a simple approach to psych- like to ring psychology, this had people kind of enraptured. Like yeah. people were so immersed and into this match. I was stood around a group of guys. Were about six of them, and two of them were fans. I think they were on some sort of stag do, and okay. four of them were kind of casual wrestling fans, and they were like, oh, is this guy then, talking about Walter being, you know, his body and all the rest of it. Um, and as soon as he started throwing chops in, they were like, oh, my God, is this real, and all the rest of it. And they were really kind of encapsulated in the match, if any, it's encapsulated, that's not the right word, enraptured enraptured in the match that was going on in front of them (laughs) stopped talking shit um stopped going to the bar and just watched and kind of made noises every Mm. time volta threw a hard chop and then was chatting about how hard mark davis was to take all that punishment after the match it's like wow that has worked (laughs) like you told that
2: story in a simple way and it's a painful way for mark davis but it's worked I, I really hope they go down a route over the next few months that isn't what Joe had said that the progress do like to do with the challenger winning it second time round. I'm hoping for something that's actually closer to David Star, Walter and that series what where you, you can anything? have you can have tags with Ring Camp and Aussie Open mm-hmm. and you can oh, have Mark awful. Davis oh, yeah. trying to challenge to get to that point. I mean, have him kill Kyle Fletcher at some point. Yeah, have, have that happen, you know, have this idea that, you you know, he's trying to get on that level where where Volta is and that the fact that his chops aren't hard enough, that maybe he'll have an absolute war with Timothy Thatcher at some point, which I'd be down to see, given Timothy Thatcher's form over the last 18 months as well. Um, yeah, it was it has to be seen to be truly believed. I'll be absolutely fascinated to see what this is like on the VOD when it comes out. One of the great things about these Volta matches at the moment
1: um, is the atmosphere and the kind of presence that he has in the uh, progress venues because people kind of treat him as something slightly different as something Mm -hmm. else. I don't want to say it's um, like he's brock lesnar but there is an element of what brock lesnar was a couple of years ago after the sort of undertaker uh, uh streak and all the rest of it in wwe mm. whereas i don't know people kind of see um pete dunn and it's like pete dunn's a star but and he's got presence but people don't stand to attention in the same way they doing the volta match like at times people seem genuinely concerned mm. for his opponent and it's rare you get that in wrestling these days and that is a huge testament to Volta's ability but also how good he is at getting his opponents over and it's not, not to discredit the opponents at all I think Mark Davis did an absolutely great job in this and really held his own um, but i just want these matches to continue I'd love to see a really really long Volta reign here that does maybe end with a Mark Davis win down the line at some point because yeah yeah they've, they've got someone
2: here with Volta and I, I think they know it yeah. yeah and and just to um just to add on one final um point onto this match which has now completely left my head as soon as I said that so I
1: thought it was better than the Thatcher match I've got to say I know on the last podcast I'd rush watching the Thatcher yeah, match I was Let gonna me. ask I went back and I rewatched the Thatcher match, and I, I liked it more than it the first time. I wasn't in the right mood when I watched it the first time. I thought this was better. I don't know if it's a bit of live bias that um, has maybe convinced me of that. But I was more into this than I was, and I was concentrating a lot more. It held my attention a lot more. Um, maybe it's because I, I liked Smithy Thatcher, but... I'm more interested in Mark Davis at this moment in time, Mm. because I really think he's going somewhere in the UK, so maybe that had my attention. I don't know, but at the same time, yeah, I thought this, for me, trumped the Thatcher match.
0: I think I'd have them about even, but yeah, I think re-watching on the VOD is something I'm I'm really looking forward to, to watching, although it won't be the same, not having to Duck splats of uh, chest blood from from Mark Davis. It felt like a time in the building. It, that that definitely adds something being there, being there live for these kinds of hard hitting matches. I mean, just one other thought then on the match. I, I I have seen some some disagreements on Twitter as to this style, this strong style with with hard chops and to as to whether it's uh, it's worth doing, um, chopping the likes of... I mean, the, the pitchers do say a thousand words with Mark Javis's poor uh, chest after the match. And I did see some question as to whether that's what wrestling is supposed to be. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, JP. I, personally, uh, I, I'm a big fan of this style. It really works live in the building. And uh, it's only your chest, isn't it? It's not like he was uh, breaking <laughs> his nose or anything. Now, I'm
2: I'm a big fan of this style. And I think one of the things that we forget is that if you think of wrestling in the same way as any kind of art form, let's say film, so that's an easy one for me to do. Then within that, you've got different subgenres. Whenever I hear the phrase that like, is wrestling meant to be this? For me, it's the equivalent of saying, yeah, is film one. meant to be this? <laughs> is art meant to be this? Well, it can be a lot of things. It doesn't have to yeah. be one thing in particular. Do you want to see an entire show made up of these kind of strong style contests? I mean, Tetsujin that we went to wasn't full of just strong style contests. It was different from, and this was probably the the, the great thing I loved about the show is he went from Zack Tyler to the British Strong Style products to Walter Davis, all of which brilliant, all of which different. It's also the psychology of how you build
1: a card as well yeah. and who you match up on a card. Like wrestling isn't fixed and it kind of well, it is fixed. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not fixed in terms of what it should be and in terms of what you are giving fans as well Mm. and you need for me you need variety on a card and with volta on a card you know you're going to get variety because you know you're going to get something completely different um i wonder as well um i don't know who said who made those comments i wonder i question how long they've possibly been watching wrestling as well when they jumped on what sort of style they're used to because if they're kind of versed in you know the history of wrestling i'm not putting myself over as some you know history snob and all the rest of it you understand what this type of match is you see this type of match happening even 10 years ago maybe a little bit more in ring of honor remember the Brian Danielson, Roderick Strong match mm, yes. with the chops and how Roderick Strong got over because he was able to take so much punishment from Brian Danielson. But then how Brian Danielson took Roderick Strong's chop, how Roderick Strong's chop got him over in ring of honor to the point he was viewed as a main event talent who could threaten Brian Danielson. Mm. Like it's, it, it's really simple and it's, you know, you get people over in wrestling. Yeah, You went and you are meant to capture a crowd. Did this get Mark Davis over more? Yes. Did it capture the crowd? Yes. Can they do a rematch stemming from this? Yeah. And is that can they build more of a storyline from the match? Absolutely. So to question this, I think, is
2: just silly. And Walter's aura at this point, and it's tying in with this all-Japan theme that we've got going on at the moment, is very much like of that Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen era aura of People standing to attention, as Joe mentioned earlier on, and thinking, oh God, what? Yeah. He's a little less of a wild man in terms of the way he yeah, holds obviously. himself. But uh, it, is, it would have been what I imagine it would have felt like.
1: It's more with the way he holds yeah. himself and the way he walks the ring and all the rest of it. But there is that depth People amount.
0: believe. Mm. People yeah. believe in him, don't they?
1: Exactly. And he's not someone who's, you know, stood around doing all the kind of like, all right, mate, how's it going, having a beer with him and all the rest of it, which probably helps that aura as well. Even when I see him stood selling merch, he's very stoic. He's very kind of um, straight. Um, It's going to sound really weird. He's got really good posture in the way he stands and holds himself when he's selling merch as well. And this all matters. Again, going back to, I keep saying this, psychology. He's thinking about that even when he's selling merch to fans. I just think the guy's great. I think he's possibly the best guy we've got in Europe right now, I think you can argue. And, yeah, I can't wait till we get a 16-carat and get to see even more of him.
0: Yep. Indeed. Well, you mentioned before, Joe, uh, Variety. Um, the next match was very much different, but probably not in a great way. Uh, we had the Progress Tag Team title match, Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins against James Drake and Zach Gibson. Um, Gibson and Drake, it's publicly known, they're off to China. Uh, for a a mini tour coming up Zach Gibson addressed that in his promo maybe to throw off some expectation that they'd be dropping the belts here saying they were going to take the belts with them and uh, defend them Um, I appreciated that he tried to do that it wasn't your normal blistering Zach Gibson promo I think partly because this was a heel versus heel match and you can't really go in too hard on your your fellow heels who are I think still trying to get over as a team in, in Havoc and Haskins and as a match I don't think it could follow the one before and also the fact that it was these two heel it was a heel versus heel match. I just went into it just thinking, who could possibly care? Neither team could reasonably play face. Zach Gibson in Manchester isn't gonna get cheered and Havoc and Haskins are trying to get over these newly turned heels. It was just a mistake, all in all, I think, putting this match on. I know they wanted to change the belts, but there surely had to be a more creative way than this.
1: Yeah, I went for a piss after Zach Gibson's promo, uh, I was busting, Bad had to see the promo, and at the same time I had no real care or interest in the match, as much as I love Gibson, it's heel versus heel, there was no build to this match mm. again, it was a random title match, um, they've lost the belts in a random title match, I know they're off to China for a couple of months I don't know is Gibson doing New Orleans I'm I'm not sure myself I've not seen uh, many of the announcements Um, but it was a shame because I was starting to really enjoy the Drake and Gibson title reign and Havoc and Haskins some of their matches are, are all right, but at the same time no interest it just feels like they're around to I don't know because they're a couple of progress guys and all the rest of it and I just don't. What is this? I, I, do you notice? On, I think you pointed out to me on man, the entrance video. on the graphic at the beginning. Yeah. What was
2: it that said like? Never explain.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> that sums it up.
2: Like, it really does. People have been saying
1: that, but now they've embraced that. That's not a good thing. Like, it's caused a lot of us to be less interested and less invested. Jimmy Havoc got over because he was a great promo and he was great at doing angles. What the fuck is this?
2: yeah I have to say it felt like for me it was a re it was a a way of getting the title onto havoc and Haskins as quickly as they could but I don't quite understand the title being on them as much as anything else I just yeah I think with those three matches that had gone before there was an inevitable down period and this is where this match completely played into it and it's funny because
0: it was the first title change that's happened in Manchester's app right? Yeah, that was, that was a big story for me, actually. The fact that we actually. Got a title change in Manchester, Ooh. so I suppose I I shouldn't be uh, ungrateful uh, that they've done that here. But yeah, just a, a listless match to do it in. Um, yeah, just yeah, I I can't can't get behind this Havoc and Haskins team. I think Jimmy Havoc particularly. I think he's been awful um, in this incarnation of himself. Uh, I've not enjoyed him for quite a while now, since really since his return to Progress. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't seem like the the old uh, the, the Jimmy Havoc from Progress of old.
1: Yeah, I think we're in the post-Jimmy Havoc, Jimmy Havoc era, if anything. He's coasting on reputation and goodwill of fans. Like He's one of the reasons I got massively into Progress, as I've spoken about before. His heel character and the whole storyline of him is some of the greatest stuff I've seen in any promotion ever. And it almost feels like he put so much into that and was so knackered from it, possibly, that at this point he's not maybe so invested, he's not so bothered, he's proven himself at this point. And he's fine to coast in a tag team with one of his longtime mates. I don't know. Um, yeah, I- I'm completely with you. Um like I said, the post-Jimmy Abbott, Jimmy Abbott, two years ago or three years ago, you wouldn't have seen him having a pint with fans at the ballroom, whereas now he's this heel and then he's walking around. It's like, all right, mate, how you doing? Sort of thing. And that's fine. I, I get why he's doing that, and I understand that he probably wants to do that. But it doesn't make me want to invest or it doesn't make yeah. me want to have any interest in what this is. And I'm a, I've always been a big Mark Haskins fan as well, but I don't know, just not... Like I said, some of the matches sometimes I still find quite good fun, but no investment, no interest at all.
0: Uh, Moving on then, uh, speaking of some suspect booking in progress uh, we got our main event the three-way match for the progress world title travis banks chris brooks and tk cooper and joe uh, we got an epic video going into this one to oh. to <laughs> on the big tron uh in, in the ritz we got to see this epic view that's been building for three or so weeks um <laughs> and we also got the- to listen to the um
2: to the to the to the podcast on the way into the show as well about the possible dynamic between these oh, three <laughs>
0: <Fuck> me <laughs> the progress official podcast that's got the uh, the merch guy talking in kfo terms yeah i'll be uh, giving that one a miss uh, from now on um yeah the <laughs> bigger
1: uh, bill billa's fans back in the day oh, possible god were they <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: they've tried to make this epic and I do I mean I was going to make a point on the previous match I think I would guess if progress had the way cck would have still been champions and it would have been them that were losing to uh, the Haskins and Havoc team and I think similarly if we didn't have the Lycos injury I wonder whether Chris Brooks would be in this position Um, but yeah this story this epic story that's led to this three-way I know there's the history with all three men and it goes back further than the last month or so before anyone writes us angry tweets but I just can't bring myself to care about this and there were three much better much more interesting matches on the card and i do wonder if if this didn't have the the story hampering it whether i would have been more into this but yeah in the building i I was struggling to at this point i was just watching the clock thinking yeah i mean they're having they're having a good match here but i I just don't really care do
2: you know what it's one of i'm just saddened that I was bothered after when Travis Banks got the title through the whole storyline that had gone through the summer in the build up to um to him winning at Ali Pally. Then what we were given was Travis Banks the killer champion having killer matches and that was great and could have gone with that. The storyline tells itself. But no, we have to go into effectively some sort of WCW circa 2000 like storylines that are going on where everyone has to betray one another every five minutes. I'm um, yeah, I'm not invested in this storyline. The crowd were really behind Chris Brooks for this one, and I think that's a testament to actually what they're kind of doing with with Travis Banks. I was think it's said. a
1: testament to uh, having a brand and marketing yourself True. very effectively yeah. on Chris Brooks' part. I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, like, so they've had two singles matches um brooks uh, banks beating brooks in birmingham banks beating tk at the ballroom to get to a triple threat like come the fuck on like this is just shit like travis banks is one of my favorite wrestlers jp said it he was having killer matches travis banks i don't think thrives in soap opera if i'm honest with you he thrives having good matches he's a champion that should be having good matches the TK feud is an absolutely logical feud. I get that. But they've got to it in the most rushed soap opera-like manner possible. And they've killed any interest I have in TK. Like, didn't TK have a match at the Dome and then he got a title shot? It's yeah. like... He's been out. Like From a logic standpoint, why would you, after one match, you've been out for eight months, want to walk into a title match? Surely you're, you, should, you should save yourself. Surely you should rebuild yourself. I thought there was a natural story to tell with TK going into maybe the natural progression mm. and saying, I've got to start from the bottom again, and then I'll be there. Okay, now I'm here. Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> um, you could build him up. You could have him win it to rebuild himself or even go close and then maybe do something in the super strong style. And you could gradually build to the banks match down the line. You could do months where you have the super, uh, the super strong, the South Pacific power trip still team up. You could have little teases here and there, and it would have worked really nicely. Instead. We've got this like shades of gray, kind of defined character that is kind of half heel, half face, We've got Travis Banks getting booed as a result of this because it's just a weird match and it's a weird dynamic. The writing is, yeah, the writing is genuinely awful of this and they're rushing through matches. Now, I know you, I don't know when Lycos is back and you can't, I, I know you can't do the South Pacific power trip against CCK until that time. But really, I would have saved a TK Travis match until after you've done that match at least. Have them lose. You tease dissension following that match. Maybe there was a little bit of dissension beforehand. Maybe that's where the turn occurs. Mm. It There's no turn. Nothing's happened here. What is this? Where are they going? TK Cooper someone I've been interested in for ages. <laughs> My interest
2: in him is just about dead at this point. Well, we've, we've seen this happen where we've had TK come out at the Birmingham show at the start of mm. January. He's then got a title shot in late January we're talking about his second title shot by the 11th of February but, but now won, what one
1: match at, at the dome
2: yeah it's like what what's happening here and the thing is we're saying all of this stuff we're being mm.
0: very critical i actually like the match well yeah. the match itself was was good and I thought in the moment as well. Like as much as logically it makes no sense, I think they did a good enough job in the match with the crazy chair stuff, stuff on the outside, and TK almost dying on that Spanish fly. Oh, that was um, insane! Oh, and he spiked himself oh, with a double Spanish fly. That's a spot yeah. people need to see. It, but it, they 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 did a lot of stuff that kind of brought you in. I I both there was a near four where Brooks hit a J driller. Yeah. And I did buy it just in that second. And then I remembered again, this ain't happening uh, because I don't buy Chris Brooks or TK's challenges.
1: The problem I have with this as well is I enjoyed the match. And it sounds like I didn't because I'm Mr. Obviously (laughs) Negative as always and all the rest of it. (laughs) But at the same time, I did genuinely enjoy the match, but I couldn't invest in it because I'm annoyed that we're never going to get that moment where Travis and TK actually face off against each other because they've ruined any moment that will exist by throwing that out there. It's in the same way that I'm annoyed that we're never going to get that epic... um, Well, I always wanted to see a John Cena-Roman Reigns match, and we got it, and it was kind of... And it just happened on a whim, and it should have happened at WrestleMania after months of build and all the rest of it. And it just feels a bit like that. It just feels like... Something that could have been huge and should have been huge. Well, the South Pacific Power Trip were killing it last year as well, they could have killed it a bit again this year. And we've not got that. We've got this stupid rushed feud.
2: And, yeah, oh, well. And it's, I mean, um, where this can end up going from now, in some ways, I'm I'm wondering if you're going to have Cooper and Brooks having somewhat of a blood feud. In which case, get Travis Banks back on the killer match. Let them have that feud between them, which might help both of them in the long run between them. But take Travis Banks out of the situation because the title is wasted this way. I don't. I, it doesn't really make any sense to me, and it feels like they're burning through stuff at this point, which is which is the criticism we had on the last show that we
1: did. Well, we also said in the last show, where are they going for Wembley, right? And we had no idea. Mm. And we said, what about the Victoria Warehouse show? And then Sexsmiths just popped up as a challenger at Victoria Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. So that's random. i tell you what, one thing I did wonder is if TK gets another shot before Victoria Warehouse beats uh, Travis Banks. And they go back to the old uh, TK Sexmith storyline that they had a few years ago. And you've got two guys from the Projo coming through and headlining a show in front of 2,000 people. Oh, God. What do you reckon? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it involves a solid TK turn, I'm I'm partially behind yeah. it. No, I mean, I mean the other thing I was going to say is, following this match, they kind of had Banks again being a putz, and despite the fact his two mates are still trying to cheat against them, shaking everyone's hand. Uh, we had Cooper slap uh, Chris Brooks. I mean, that was about it as far as storyline development goes. Uh, I just don't know where they go next with this this story. Um, I just don't know what the next big thing is, unless there is a turn coming.
2: The only logical thing I can think in terms of Banks, in terms of the characters, is you just have him as someone who trusts no one at this point, hmm. which would be the thing of just, all right, just don't team up with anyone because you're all up against me and have him go gradually more and more paranoid over that time that Fra- everyone's against
1: him. Perhaps I'll do Banks versus TK at a big show with uh, Dahlia in Banks' corner. Hmm. <laughs>
0: There's an the next natural progression. The commentary, then that you, won't then you
1: can drop it a week before the match when you realise it's a stupid uh, way to advance the story. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, she's a commentator now, uh, Joe. A... Oh,
1: yeah. Have you heard her commentary?
0: Unfortunately. Yeah. She did the one match, didn't she, on the last show? I've heard people rave about her. I've, I'll be honest, I heard her do the one match on the last chapter and I watched the Connor Mills match uh, from the last Dome show um, that was highly praised and she was... I don't know, mini, a mini just as shouty version as Glenn was yeah. kind of how I found yeah. it. I was surprised, considering I've heard so much good... I mean, it's the type of role you grow into with time, um, but I don't think going, ooh, and ah. And that was pretty much a uh, contribution to commentary, I thought. That seems to it's a very Glenn Wait. style of of reaction to everything and not much substance.
2: We'll, we'll, Agreed. Uh, we'll have to hear it on the on this show, because this would have been the first show that she would have done commentary throughout it, so on the VOD for this. I'm kind of fearing, though, if, if those were the early commentary um, quotes she was coming out with, what the Walter Davis match will end up sounding like with the commentary Ooh, on it.
1: Ah. And like, when I, I watched the Mills versus Mayhew match, um, and she, I found it very annoying... Um, and I just sort of wondered what a, a lot of her frame of reference was. And I, as she's a wrestler, I know, and this is me sounding like a snob again. I did, got the impression she hadn't watched a great amount of wrestling. I don't know if that's a fair comment or an uneducated comment to make. One of the things I find with this move as well is um progress Are making this move purely because they're trying to look like a progressive company again i think and it's kind of like oh look at us putting a female um, into the commentary position and i have no issue with them doing that um leaders commentary renee young which did nxt really enjoyed it thought it was absolutely fine renee especially was very good um but at the same time a few twitter comments i saw there was a guy who reacted to this and said um something like oh god and uh the progress main twitter account Quote tweeted him and said like, "Oh, look at this!" As if the guy was being sexist when contextually there was no sexist.
0: All, all he said was that he wasn't going to watch the VOD anymore, and he could he could have put that a, a lot better. Yeah, he um, could have, and it could have been a bit more constructive than what he said. But yeah.
1: But consciously, in the mind of whoever was operating the Progress main account at the time, they made this really progressive move by putting a female onto commentary. So any criticism was obviously going to be framed as sexist criticism, whereas they completely took for granted that the guy was a 17-year-old gay male um, and tried to get him a lot of abuse, and he got a lot of abuse from many progress fans following making a comment that wasn't related to her gender in any way at all because the progress retweet framed it as if it was a gender-based criticism now to me that says this decision so consciously based on gender that on progress's part is that actually forward thinking or is that forward thinking because they're so determined to be seen as a forward thinking well done you pat us on the back Um, company who appealed to, I don't know, the PW girl gang and all the rest of it. So I just sort of think to myself, Progress is such a transparent company with so many of the moves they make and so many of the ways they think, and they're also so hypocritical with how they essentially um, didn't help a 17-year-old gay male who then received a barrage of abuse based around something that he didn't mean. Is that a positive move on whoever's behind the Progress social media account? I don't think that is at all. I actually think that's quite nasty. And that's kind of um, promoting bullying and it's promoting the minions of ultras to actually hurl abuse back at that person. And you look at the comments, they're from the old usual progress people of the fan group and off the Twitter who blindly defend them ignorantly time after time. And I just feel sorry for that kid that he had to suffer
0: that. So sorry to you, mate, because it's not fair. Keep talking like that, Joe, and you're going to get yourself blocked by by, uh, by progress on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Do we go there? Let's not. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I suppose I want to say that as much as there's a lot of negative to, to say about the booking towards the end of that show... Uh, I would still say, as far as a progress show in Manchester, probably the strongest ever show in Manchester. I think the last yep. two matches left a bit of a, a, a bad taste, but the fact that we had the show with Zack Sabre Jr. and Tyler Bates, the Riddle Star tag, and the Walter and Davis match, three incredible matches. Yep. It was still, despite some of our criticism, JP, uh, one of the stronger progress shows uh, that they've had in recent times.
2: I think it has. I mean, it made me feel better about them from an in-ring um from an from an in-ring perspective and what was notable about those about those um three killer matches that they had is that all of the stories were actually told in the ring that's where it happened it wasn't relying on watch a video package for five minutes it wasn't relying on a run-in it wasn't relying on any of those kind of old wwe wrestling tropes didn't have that it was kind of kept a lot more simple. And do you know what? That's the stuff that really connected with that audience. So um, I'm how I feel about the sort of future shows at the moment, if you're seeing these killer cards, they're always going to be kind of worth your time because it's not like um, the progress roster, for the most part, they don't phone it in. I say for the most part, it's a bit harsh. I'm trying to think now who, who does phone it in? Um, Joseph Connors. um but for this it feels like i i I felt a lot more upbeat about going to a progress show certainly a progress show in manchester because i really did enjoy the atmosphere that surrounded it as well but at the same time there are things from a storyline perspective that are somewhat all over the place and then and they're going to need to get this sorted out because these kind of criticisms i don't think we're not alone in this
1: Yeah, they're they're very lucky that they've got a group of tight, close-knit fans that they seem to pay a lot of attention to, who will praise everything they do and tell everyone like us, the critics, that we are wrong and we are bad for being negative. It's not negativity, it's criticism at the end of the day. Being critical and being negative are two completely different things. said this time and time again. Gotta say, as a show, I really did love this show. I thought it was a great show overall. Criticisms about the booking, like JP said, but as a show, I had a a great time, I gotta say, and I was at a real high after the show as well. So fair play to them for you know, they provide these moments. They do, I'll give them credit. When I come away from a progress show feeling positive, I maybe feel more positive than I do come out of any other show. And I was really happy with this show, um, aside from the booking. It was a great show, and I had a Horrible drive home, but okay. at the yeah. end of the day, I think the higher the show helped me get through a horrible drive.
0: I think that the higher the weekend, really. I mean, you're talking yeah. About, yeah. it's going to take some beating, isn't it, as far as a weekend of wrestling goes? I mean, just from your guys' point of view, you got to see some Liverpool. Well, you saw my flat pretty much. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend got to see Joe in a towel, so that was fun. Uh, we, got we got to see a see bit of that. Preston. <laughs> we got to lie
2: to Joe in the morning that Sonada had beaten a Go, oh,
0: yeah. To so which Joe good. Was thinking, how, why would they do that? <laughs> I,
2: I threw up in your toilet as well, Benno, You know yeah,
0: that, that's true. Yeah, My girlfriend Charlotte did mention that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was all fine. You you look you you cleaned up after yourself very well, mate. It was a a very late night in the Crazy House the night before. You can't really be blamed. You wouldn't be the uh, the first person to have a, a reaction like that to the one pound beers that they're offering there. That should be criminal. Though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we got to see some Liverpool, got to see some Preston, and we got to see well a car park in Manchester, but. Hey, a great weekend! Do you think you guys would uh, come back up these ways if we uh, have another weekend like this? Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah, a great time, absolutely. Uh, mate, I want to go back to PCW and I want to go back to the Stanley Arms and I want to find out more about the world that Flutter and Councillor uh, Drew uh, sort of live in because this it, it was interesting. It's it should intriguing. be a reality show. Should be a reality show, most definitely. <laughs>
0: That's
1: it. Throw Sean Samuel's in there as well. Bit of bone, maybe.
0: Yeah, that's it. we should. We should. Uh, when uh, Flooder goes on his yearly trips to Magaluf with the boys, that's a that's a reality show uh, in the making. They were on uh, oh. Northwest Tonight today, weren't they? On on, uh, on is it ITV or BBC? Uh, I feel like it's was, uh, BBC. BBC. Yeah, there you go. There's some. there's a future in that, I think.
1: Flutter's a public service man, as is uh, councillor Drew Gale.
0: <laughs> <laughs> legends uh, ok but before we go then uh, where can uh, the good people find you on twitter uh, this week
1: lemsip4ps J
2: P
0: 3es Awesome! You can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard uh, Keep tuned to the Indie Corner account Joe mentioned earlier. We're heading to WXW to go to the sixteen-carat gold weekender, so we'll be doing a, a podcast reporting back on that. But also, uh, we're we'll looking at making some maybe some slight changes to the way we uh, schedule our shows and release them. Maybe look at doing uh, some things a bit more timely, uh, mainly centered around progress, Rev Pro, and, uh, and while also getting in uh, audio reviews of the Big Fight Club Pro and and otherwise shows that we get to. We're still putting the uh, the final touches on that, but we're looking forward to uh, unveiling, I suppose, our, our schedule for the le- rest of the year. So keep tuned in to TheIndieCorner.com and uh, follow the Indy Corner on Twitter at theindycorner. As I say, we'll, we'll be back uh, in a few weeks, uh, so we'll catch you again soon. Bye! This. Yeah. No Did one. we go
1: too far? With any of the old uh, Drew Gale stuff there?
0: I'll listen back, and I'll, if there's anything we need to pull out, I'll pull it out. Yeah. Um, I could have gone on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do another ten minutes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sixteen. Drew Gale's got sixteen followers. I know.
0: has he really? Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brit away days. Arc huh? uh, oh, JP, Andy Ogden <laughs> <laughs> Drew McIntyre. <laughs> Neil Docking, Charlie Sterling, Chris Brooker, MVP, MVP Tory Fibbs. Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy, yeah. Tom Watson. Tom, Tom Watson. Watson. <laughs> Brilliant.
2: What do oh. you think they've been getting
0: up to him and Tom Watson? Do you think it was uh, – I'm sure they had a good night in the Stanley Arms before.
2: Oh, I'd mate. I'd love to have seen him down there. I'd have loved that. If Tom Watson had joined in on that, mate, that would have been amazing. <laughs> do you need to grab yourself a break as
0: well? Yeah, I'll be two minutes Yeah,
2: no worries. Cheers. Uh, Where's Stephen Flutter? There he is. Jesus Christ.